0: Well, you know, I want you to. You're gonna be talking a lot, so I want you to not feel perched. I don't want you to lose your voice halfway through this. Because I've,
1: I've never, I've never talked myself dry. <laughs> so
0: I've heard I'm you're fine. the ultimate storyteller. So, uh, so let's get this going. So, welcome back to the BMX in Our Blood. And I'm here with Isaac McRae, otherwise known as Ground Chuck, and we are at the Wheelmill in. This is called the Woods Room, Woods Room, right?
1: Yes, the Woods Room.
0: Yeah, so this is like the favorite place of, uh, of most riders around here. It's so probably it's... the
1: closest thing to trails you're going to get inside of a skate park.
0: Yeah. So, it's yeah, fun. Definitely. I've seen lots of sessions go down and this has been a hangout for you over the past couple winters, right? A little bit?
1: Yeah, I try to spend a decent amount of time here, but uh, yeah. you know, as much time as I can, right. which, is, which is pretty limited. So.
0: Right. Well, let's hit that. Let's um, all right. Let's hit the backstory on you with BMX before before the nickname Ground Chuck came in. So just the, the basic, you know, you getting into BMX, you know, throwing trophies in the woods. I hear, you know, that type of yeah. thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was back when, um, you know, I think I think every kid grows up riding bikes. Yeah. You know, when they're a lot younger, you learn how to ride a bike. Your dad teaches you, you know, and, and you ride and you know. Some kids embrace it, and some kids just, you know, would do it for transportation. Right. You know, as you get older, you know, uh, you know, it was one of the things that I, I got into. I loved it. Anything with two wheels, whether it was bikes or motorcycles, you know. Uh, we used to take my dad's old street bike, uh, and we used to push it to the top of our hill when we were little kids, and then jump on it and coast it down down the road and then push it all the way back up yeah. and do it, so... Um, yeah, I grew up doing that, started going... Um, my dad would take me to South Park BMX track, yeah. you know, 10, 11 years old, and... Um, which was always fun because my dad would always end up getting on my bike, yeah. and then just get completely destroyed. <laughs> you know, so that that was always sort of scary and comical at the same time, Right. but um, started... Uh, Going to South Park more and more often, Uh and then at uh, 14, I started uh, racing. And uh, the trophies in the woods thing (laughs) was, um, you know, my parents. (laughs) We didn't we didn't have any money growing up, yeah. So we were pretty much dirt poor, and uh, you know, I had a crappy bike that was just pieced together from whatever I I could piece together. But to get to the race, I would I would ride my bike to South Park. Which yeah. was maybe like eight or nine miles. Really? So, when I left after school for a race on, on a Wednesday night, Wednesday night races, I would leave my house with my Echo helmet on, you know, <laughs> the Jaffa hanging off the helmet, a long sleeve t shirt, long pants, and um, I remember I didn't have any money for a backpack. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I couldn't throw a helmet in the backpack or anything. So, you just rode. You know those miles out to the track and that that was it right so you get there and then you race and you win this trophy so now I'm nine miles away from home and and I have this trophy and I'm like yeah Yeah. on a Wednesday night and I have school in the morning I'm thinking what the hell am I gonna do with this trophy so I would ride up over the hill by where South Park uh, skate park is right now And once I got to the other side there were some woods and I would take the trophy and I would throw it into the woods because I, it really didn't mean anything to me. It, it was just a, a plaque. But I, I didn't want to ride all the way home with it. And I learned that the hard way because I rode those nine miles yeah. with the trophy in hand. So, you know, that that was uh, that it, was it. it. So you
0: came home empty-handed all the time. Did your parents think you were a loser and you just never won? <laughs>
1: you know what? They didn't ask many questions about it, to tell you the truth. They didn't... Uh, you know, they knew that I I liked riding my bike, but it wasn't a um it wasn't a family affair. Right, right. You know, that right. was uh my parents were, were divorced and uh, yeah. that was uh that was it. They just knew hey, he's leaving the morning on his right. bike and he'd come home at night on his on his bike. Right. So as right. long as I came home um that was yeah. it. Right, right.
0: So Yeah, that's a that's a
1: great story. Yeah, fourteen uh, fourteen novice was my first first races. Yeah. And they were sketchy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. How long did you do that for, racing?
1: Just one year. I just raced for about a year. And all of the locals, you know, the guys that were, I was racing. um, And then um, you got the Cummings brothers, Tom Constantine, Jason Stig, um, older guys like uh, Devlin Brill and uh, Mike White, Mike Hummel. Yeah. Those guys, uh, you know, they were all older, and everybody was at the track back then. That's where you met everybody. Yeah. There, there weren't no skate parks. If you wanted to meet somebody for BMX, or or if you did, it was at the BMX track. Right. So, um, just by going there, I met, I met them, and, uh, you know, they said, "Hey, Jason Stig has trails by his house, which was really maybe three or four jumps at the time." Yeah. And. That was how I, I met those guys and I, I decided like, man, I'm pedaling my ass off around this track and at the end, like, I'm like, this is a lot of work. Like, but all I really want to do is jump the second straightaway. Right. I don't wanna I don't wanna pedal my ass to the first turn. Like, I don't mind getting to the first turn right. and and throwing elbows with, with your buddies or right. you know, I, I like that, but I really don't want to pedal my ass off to the first turn. Right. And the last straight, I don't want to pedal on the last straight either. Yeah. I wanted to jump the second straight, jump the jumps in the third straight, and right. the, jump the pro jump. Right. And then I wanted to be done. So, like, I just wanted the middle of the track yeah. where the jumps were.
0: So, if they had a half track circuit in the race series, you, you would have done that. if They had a starting gate in the first turn and then. Yeah, this line after the pro jump.
1: Yeah, but that's still me today. That's that's still me today because when as we stand here in this room, like this room, is perfect for me.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, there's five jumps. Right. There's no bullshit before the jumps, and there's no bullshit after the jumps. There's just five jumps. Right. Like growing up, that's all I wanted to do was jump my bike. Right. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do anything else. I wanted to jump it. That's where the. uh, the excitement is for me or that's what I enjoyed most was actually jumping right. so to pedal your ass off into the first turn yeah. you know right. sure you might get a chance to put wing ding over the turn when you get there <laughs> take your buddy out but I didn't want to do it and that's what uh, you know th- that's pretty much me in a, in a in one sentence you know it's like I just want to jump my bike Right, right. I don't want to do all the other bullshit that comes along yeah. with it you know, I yeah. just want to jump it. That's right. it. So that was, uh, it got to the point where going to the track, yeah. it just was, you know, wh- wasn't worth, worth it. There weren't enough jumps, so right. we built
0: our own. So you, you must know? have been like 15, maybe, when you started doing trails, when you
1: switched like, over to... 14. Like, we, we would go at the same time. Mm-hmm. We would ride from, I'd, I'd get up in the morning and ride from my house yeah. Uh, you know, out to the trails or out to the track and that's where everyone would would meet. And then you would you'd ride the track for half a day. Right. You had to ride about two miles to go get an iced tea. Yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah. then
1: you would uh ride back to the track, ride, and then you'd say, All right, you know what? I'm sick of the track, I'm gonna go to the trails and then you'd go ride the trails for yeah a couple hours.
0: Which trails were these back then? That was push
1: trails when it was just a couple a oh. couple
0: of jumps. Okay. So the very beginning of it.
1: Yeah. And then you just um you know, slowly, you know, over the course of the next couple of years we all transitioned from everybody racing yeah. to everybody riding those trails. Yeah. So right. and um you know, there's just a little more there's more freedom there. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. And um you don't have to wear a Jaffa. Right, right. You know, <laughs> unless unless you want to. Right, right.
0: People were probably still wearing race helmets though. That's that was the game back then. Number number places in race and echo helmets yeah. at the trails. Yeah,
1: that's uh the track, the BMX track to me is is the the biggest thing that's missing in, in BMX for yeah. me. If you look at if you look at the majority of the people I know through riding bikes, I met every one of them at South Park BMX track. Really? You know? So and that, that was when the, all of the dirt jumpers, you know, slowly they, they had the DK dirt circuit. They were at the, at the track because it was held during a national, you know. Right. But I, I think that the, the BMX track in, in racing was such a huge influence on so many people, not just in BMX, but just in your work ethic. If you look at who digs at all the trails these days, who is it? It's an old racer. Because right. they have a good work ethic. Right. Unlike the, the younger kids, they just want to show up and, and everything's done for them. Right. You know, whereas if you grew up racing, you knew what it took. There was, there was a hell of a lot more effort that goes into racing than it does to just get dropped off at a skate park to ride. Right. You know, so those racers and you know, the way that, uh, th- that you had to be back then, you had to do it all yourself. Right. There was nobody doing it. So when you go and look at the trails these days at who's still digging, right. they're old racers. Jay Lonegren, Yeah, That's true. An old racer. That's true. Keith Terra. Yeah. An old racer. Yeah. Superfly. Yeah. An old racer. Right. You know? That being said, yeah. you're never going to catch the double way pros digging dirt. <laughs> no. You know, the BF is not, not going to shovel dirt. Morales <laughs> was not going to was not going to dig. You know? Like you're not going to get those cats out there putting a shovel in 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 the ground yeah you know but that i believe is one of the one of the things that's missing from uh from bmx today is the Mm -hmm. because the trail scene is more it's an old scene when you look at it and as we were coming up and, and you looked at all the big jumps the guys at posh they were all young at the time the guys that push we were all teenagers yeah. 13 14 15 16 years old right. is, is when we built them right. and then you look at um the guys even out in california Sheep hills right you know bar spinner ryan and, and his, his crew of guys those guys they were all young at that they were all teenagers and they all grew up racing you know and they mm-hmm. had that work ethic where they knew they knew how to work and that's what it takes to build and maintain trails right and even the ravine with the fort wayne guys they were all, they know. a lot of racers yeah yeah were, everybody was so i mean that's uh
0: there's a few exceptions now I mean, one that comes to mind right off the top of my head would be cody Diggs, but um but yeah you're, i'm sure you're right the majority is is yeah it was is, still, is older yeah
1: you know who yeah. maintains caddy right you know yeah, Old, yeah. older guys yeah and also yeah. the thing about racing too is, for me, when I'm watching people ride these days, the, the best people to watch ride, the majority of them in my mind, yeah. to watch rip around a skate park are racers. Yeah. Corey Walsh, racer. Yeah. Chris Fox, racer. Yeah. You know, like all of these guys grew up racing. Right. You know, and it gives them a certain skill set that I think a lot of kids don't don't have these days. Yeah. You know so brian foster
0: yeah
1: racer racer, yeah yeah. obvious i mean what yeah yeah so it's yeah all those guys yeah so it's a little it's a little different but that i think is uh that's bmx to me oh yeah well let's jump back into
0: the continuum of your story so you so at like 15 or so you went pretty much the street straight trails right and then you started doing comps at what age
1: you know i think i might enter the first contest at 14 or 15 they had but there was a different kind of a comp you know it was just a local we had the push kill yourself jams yeah. which um we had at our trails and then we had them at the ravine and you know then the the dk dirt circuit was just starting yeah around, around then. Yeah. Um, so it, at that point, maybe about 15, I just said, you know what, like I'm, I'm not going to race. But we would all still go to the track. Right. You know, everybody would still ride the track, and you'd go to the track on race nights yeah. and stuff. But um, yeah, probably around 15, when the, when the contest uh, started. How long did that last? Contests in general?
0: Um, or... From that point on... Yeah, how long, did, how long did the contest deal last before you either got injured, because you got to tell that part of the story, or before you just uh, transitioned back to just straight up trail riding, no comps?
1: I would say, so that was probably 94 when it started, and then I was probably, uh, I think Florida was the last contest I went to, and I think it was not, it could have been 98 at Roots or? 99. I don't know. It was like a church? CFB or a B3 contest or something, some Hoffman uh, contest. Oh, and, okay. Um, I, I had already messed my knee up at the trails at Death Valley at, the, at this point. And There's a question about that in here somewhere. Every time, uh, every time I would ride, my knee would pop out of place okay. typically. Um, if I put my foot down, it could... Or if I was just standing next to a jump and, you know, went to turn around weird, it, it would yeah. pop out, and uh, and I was I was miserable too. So uh, John Paul Rogers actually said to me, you know, at the time he said, "Why do you come to these?" He,
0: he had said, knee trouble, right? What's that? He had knee trouble, right?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not not, I'm not to sure. interrupt your, your I'm not
0: sure what uh, thought process, but I think he, he I'm pretty sure he had knee trouble. He had. He had he had something that was knocking him out for sure. Aside
1: from his mental issues, yeah. is what you're saying, yeah?
0: Right, right. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he said
1: he he told me, and he was um like he was the team manager for XS at the at the time who I was riding for. Yeah. as a co-sponsor, he said, "Why do you come?" He said, "You absolutely hate these things. You know, you're miserable. You know, you you're this isn't you. You know, why do you come?" And I said, "You know what?" I said, "You're absolutely fucking right." I said, "I'm never coming back to one of these things again." And I, and I never did. Yeah. I never did. I never. And this would have been later 90s. Might have, that would have been either 98 or 99. Yeah, yeah. I think was the last
0: contest Got it. that I rode in. So, so during that time period, there, th- that must have been when, when a lot of the videos were happening and a lot of the coverage. And I'll, I'll unzip my, uh, don't, don't worry anyone, I'll unzip and, and show you my, my uh, Ground Chuck t-shirt that I'm wearing. Uh, so when did all this media start to happen in that time period? Because was it during the competing, or because this is from what? I don't
1: know, like what ninety-seven or ninety, maybe ninety-seven Florida contest. Oh, it is from Orlando a contest. Okay. Yeah, from Orlando, and I must have done that seat grab trick a thousand times over that jump, because Gary Ellis was standing to the left of the jump. I remember this; like it was yesterday, you know, and. I mean, the lumberjack was a beast. Oh, yeah. So he's standing next to the jump, and I did one, you know, and he's like, oh, that was a really fucking cool trick. Mm. So, like, I must have been trying to show off for Gary Ellis, I think, but I must have done a 1,000 of them, you know, over the jump, because that, that yeah. to me, I, I was like, yeah. oh, man, Gary Ellis thinks this is cool. Right, right. You know? Oh, that's But awesome. uh, meanwhile, there's, like, there's absolutely nothing I have in common with Gary Ellis, but I. Right, right, right. But I thought the beard. I, yeah, <laughs> maybe it, a know. little bit. That's about it. Yeah, but um.
0: So you were doing, you were doing contests, but um, so probably the, the most infamous picture of you, or famous picture, not infamous, would be the the one-handed flatty. So that was at Posh, or where was that? Uh,
1: uh, that's from Posh. Oh, it is the from one-handed posh. flatty. Yeah, like. When I look back on, on riding, you know, like, I'm, I'm happy about, uh, like, media coverage or stuff like that in magazines. You know, the cover of Tread was always, like, something that I, I thought was awesome. Right. You know, and that, that picture from, from Posh, you know, both one-handed tabletops. Um, that would have been new Posh, right? Yeah, that's new Posh. That's middle on Posh. Okay. Um, yeah. And that was the day after my senior prom. I forget how it happened. Someone called, you know, I don't know if it was Hallman called or, or somebody from Standard called and said, hey, you know, we want you to go out and, um, and shoot for an ad. We're going to do an ad. Mm-hmm. And I met Ed Doherty out there, and, um, or Doherty, Ed Doherty out there. And uh, I went to my senior prom, went. My girlfriend at the time made me, her mother made me a thermos of coffee. Filled with coffee, I got on the turnpike and drove all night. After the prom, after the prom, I slept on the side of the PA turnpike for about two hours. Most people go to the
0: beach or something like that, and Jersey Shore. That's all. Over, that's
1: all overrated. <laughs> that's a, there's no place like Posh. No, no. So um,
0: I, I definitely didn't go.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, so I go to the prom, drive all night. Yeah. Go out there and everybody at the Superdome. At yeah. the time, it was the, that was what they called the house there where all, everyone was living in. Was oh, the right. Superdome, because all the superstars of BMX yeah. lived in there. And, and the majority of them were still sleeping or hungover and whatnot. And, uh, myself, were Ed.
0: You, were these some of the ECD
1: guys? Or That would be like uh, Lucky, Joe yeah. Rich, Mel Cody. Okay. Um, I think Taj was still living there at, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Sandy Carson. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Um, but, so, Sandy, Magilla, um, Joe DeGerda, Ed and myself went to the trails. And, okay. And, uh, you know, had a nice little 9 or 10 a.m. session. Wow. But we're the only sober guys. Wow. So. Uh,
0: and that's when you ripped that picture.
1: Yeah, which was, uh, it's always nice um, to go and not know what, what it's going to come from. You riding, or somebody taking a picture yeah. of you. You know, nowadays they film somebody, and everybody gathers around it, and they all watch it over and ought to see if it's good. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. I didn't know we just rode that day, right. and that was the end. And then, uh, right? Um, somebody said, "Hey, your ad in in Ride Magazine's awesome." That that was it. That's how you found out. Yeah. So yeah. you don't you don't know what it's gonna right. what it's gonna be. So that uh, right. which it's is. Which is still is part of the cooler things growing up in that time when you had print yeah. is that in, um, when I was in high school, there was a little convenience store directly across the street. Yeah. So you could go over there and buy a BMX Plus, right. you know, and see what was in it. But you didn't know. You didn't have there was that uh, there's more anticipation for something right. um, coming out. You know, you're waiting on it. Oh, I can't wait to see. I heard such and such did this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard rooftop 360 between two buildings. Right. So you just wait and wait and wait. And you hear this rumor about it, but you don't know if it's true until you go and get the magazine. Where now it's such instant gratification.
0: Oh, no. I'm I'm completely recreating this with podcasts. I make people wait weeks before I post them so it's it the old same school. idea yeah. tease it a little bit <laughs> right right you know tease it to the point where even I'm I'm getting anxious mm-hmm. yeah but anyway yeah I hear you print, print was awesome and we were just talking about that at the Howl Hands last night uh, because I wasn't sure the kids had really experienced it and fortunately they had they got into Dig before it went out of print so that was really cool so the kids got to experience it which is rare because they were so young when they were in there yeah you know so but by far the majority of of we'll say kids nowadays which would be anyone under under 30 pretty much hasn't really experienced much of it maybe a little younger than that but
1: no but to say you don't with with no magazines you also don't get to hang any pictures up. Mm. you know i yeah. mean you look at all of these these guys yeah. uh growing up you had pictures of, of people on your wall and Eventually, you know, the pictures, those people on the wall, they became your friends. They were like your heroes. Yeah. You know, I had this picture of Brian Foster doing this uh, like one-footed dark side air. I guess that's what you call him yeah. at Bose Trails, and, okay. it, and it was hanging, hanging on the wall. And a picture of Mike Griffin, you know, riding an old yellow S and M doing yeah, a toboggan. I remember. You know, and you had these pictures hanging up, and then, you know, you ride, and then you meet these people, right. you know, and they're like your idols, and. Your heroes and then they become your friends and they're, then they're just your buddies yeah yeah. you know but having those pictures on the wall that's something that uh motivate you or inspire you at any given point mm-hmm. where now you know everyone just pulls the phone out and right brat goes through a clip and says like yeah. dislike right that's right. it you know but you can't you can't like go right back to that clip and in right. any given moment you know right. like you have to have it there something of substance you can look at all the yeah. time and say that's what I want to do right you know right. so
0: you know
1: it's just got louder a lot louder yeah. I don't know it, we can ask them to turn it down if you want
0: I wonder if we should um I wonder if we should do that you think they will yeah uh, So, uh, okay, so we were talking about magazines, but um, so safe to say later 90s up till till 2000 is when things really started to take off before the injuries took their toll?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know take off uh, as far as like a career, you know, or I mean just in in general,
0: yeah, publicity—you know, really getting known as as ground chuck.
1: Yeah, and, and being known as ground chuck is—it's funny anyway, because it wasn't a bike name that I, I got from riding bikes or anything. It was a, just a name that an older brother, friend of mine's older brother in high school, gave me. Oh really? And only one person knew that they called me that in school—that rode bikes. It was a friend of mine and we we're talking shit on each other at the trails and he goes, oh yeah, they call you Groundchuck. Like, that was it. And everyone was like, what the fuck? They call you Groundchuck at school? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And like, that, that was it. You know, so I mean, I'm everyone uh, called me Groundchuck from there on out. But yeah, that was a, a, a good time in, in BMX when um uh, the guys put together the DK dirt jumping circuit. Mm-hmm. You know, and those were sort of used as qualifiers for the X Games and stuff like that. And ESPN2 had just started, you know, and they were covering more stuff like, like that, more of those events. Right. MTV would have the MTV Sports Music Festival. But everybody was trying to get in and get a little slice of the pie there. You had the Gravity Games yeah. coming in, and everybody was marketing it as these... Uh, extreme sports you know right. or the extreme sports network and yeah yeah and whatnot so they were they were throwing you know throwing their little bit of money at everybody out there which led to um a lot of guys making big money through corporate sponsors right you know right. um you know but the contest scene that uh starting that way um and starting with a little bit of tv coverage um there was there wasn't anything like there is today. There was no money in it to start, you yeah. know. In the early, or I was gonna, would say maybe '96 or so. Yeah. You know, I I won a jumping contest in North Carolina, and it, it was, was that it went outdoors out, outside of the coliseum.
0: There was a, there was a race going on, or, or was there even a race involved at that time?
1: No, there was a race. Yeah, it was. And
0: it was outside of the building, right?
1: i don 't remember a building being being there, there was it was like a downhill like one downhill jump mm-hmm. it sucked, the yeah. jump sucked. I was there and I you know just like I thought going to every other contest, yeah you know like wow, this sucks I pedal my ass <laughs> off this is more this is more like racing. I right. pedal my ass off and I get to hit one shitty jump, and on the occasion two shitty jumps yeah, right, you know right. but uh, I, I win the contest yeah and you know, it was Taj and Joe Rich and Dave Muir was in the contest. And I get 300 bucks. I think it was $300 to win. Oh, you know, and I was just thinking to myself, like, man, this, you know, at the time it, it was great. Right, right? But you look at, you know, years later in the X Games, there's $25,000 yeah. purses and stuff, and you're like, man, I just won this, and I got 300, 300 bucks. <laughs> you know, like, I can afford, like, a new set of cranks. Right. You know, and uh, new right. pedals, and to get home. Oh, you know, man, and that's that was, excellent. But uh, but the contest scene took off. Publicity with the uh, with television, with the magazines. Tread came out, which was uh, which was big for me when the first issue of Tread came out. Um, and uh, you know, just the uh, things started things started taking off. Right, right. But the, the contest scene sort of. Uh, I wore myself out just thinking about how much I disliked it a lot of times right. I had fun but when you look up on that on that judging table you look up there you're riding all day with your buddies and you look up and it's the D- the DK trailer and right. you got this total group of fucking jokers on top of the DK trailer and they're judging you you know so like the only judge worth a rat's ass ever up there was Corey Muth because Corey oh. Muth could ride a fucking bike yeah,
0: you right. know
1: but right. you look up there and like you got John Paul. John Paul's not going to hit that fucking jump that I just hit, you know? And then you look up there and you got Budden Deck. Budden right. Deck's not going to hit that fucking jump. Right. You know? Right. And you got Mike McHugh right. You know, from from uh, Toledo. He's not going to hit that fucking jump. Right. You know? Right. And and you got you have these guys and the worst of all was a guy named Brian Felt. He was like oh. the bully bikes guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like from Florida. Yeah, I'm like you're 280 fucking pounds if I've never seen you ride a fucking bike in your life. And you're going to tell me, like, what you think is but be- what you think looks good? Yeah. You are know, like, you don't know what it's like to do any of these tricks. So who the fuck are you to judge me doing them? You know, and like, I would look at some of the scores, and I would think, oh, this man. is fucking bullshit. And I'm, I'm, I mean, there were a couple times where you'd look at them and say, what right. the fuck are these people thinking? Right. And I mean, believe me, I think Bundex, one of the great, nicest guys great guy love the guy um mike McHugh, love him love john paul but you know i I don't know if they should be up there judging a a jumping contest right right you know with uh leland thurman yeah leland is not gonna jump a fucking set of doubles you know like it's just it's not gonna happen you know? I like the nice guy time. more than most guys in BMX, but he shouldn't be able to tell me what he thinks a, a fucking good score is. Right. You know, like if you jump something and you do a 360x up and you get a fucking 9. Right. And you go and you do a no-footed seat grab x up and you get a 7? Right. I'm like, "Fuck you." You know like or even a no-footed x up. I could do a million no-footed X-UPS at, at 14 right. years old. Right. No one's doing no-footed C-Grab X-UPS. You do one you get, and you get a lower score? Right. Well, you get a lower score because people don't know what the fuck they're looking at because they don't do it. <laughs> you know, like, they don't know. Right. So it, I got to the point where I'm looking at them am thinking, like, these suck. Yeah. Like, it, it was always spin to win. That's what they'd that say. Right. Spin right. to win. Right. Yeah. 360 and throw a shitty variation in. You right. know, and everyone's like, oh, my God, dude, you did a one-handed three. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it just don't work. Right. You know, for me. Right. And I'm, I'm going off now, but any, any time that you, that you could do a fucking trick out of a bunny hop, it's right. not the trick for me. Right. Like, right. if you can do it in a bunny hop, bunny hop bar spin, not right. the trick for me. Bunny hop whip, it's right. not the <laughs> trick for me. Right, right. You know, like, there's no... You can't make a bunny hop stylish. Right. You know, you can't. Right. So, you know, th- that was it. I, I looked at all those tricks, and I was like, this this isn't for me.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, like,
1: and I don't know about anybody else, but I always have to land front wheel first. Yeah. If I don't, I, I failed. Right. You know, and like, right. you get into those contests, and it just wasn't my style of riding. Right. You know, it was flailing, and, you know, limbs going everywhere, and yeah people breaking themselves off left and left and right right you know and i just thought like how much of this is is like circus shit you know and that and that was that was how it went and i'm like this right. to me like i'm a BMX rider i'm not a freestyler like i have always been the same way bicycle motocross that's right. what i've always how i've ridden what i've done you know that was it not right. not that so it just got to that point yeah. Where I was like, you know what, this does this sucks. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want any parts of it right. anymore. I would much rather just ride and build uh, our own charge. So, yeah, that ended the contest scene for me. That was, that was it. And that would have been what late eighties, would you say? Oh well, no, that late was, that? was ninety. I'm
0: sorry, that, not yeah, the ninety. Nineties. That was maybe
1: ninety eight or something. Was was yeah. the last
0: one. Right, right.
1: Because if you you know, I say about the magazines. You never have a picture of somebody doing a triple tail whip on your wall. No. You know why? Because you can't. No, because you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't know what it is. Right. You know. Yeah. And even even today, if I have to watch it in slow motion to know what the hell you just accomplished, yeah. it isn't worth me watching. it yeah. In the first place. Yep. I got you.
0: Gotcha. All right. So here here we go. Since, since you're on it, since you're on a good rip here. Let's just let's just get right into, uh, into what inquiring minds want to know because I've got pages of these from Instagram. Um, all right, here we go. We're going to hit some Instagram questions. And then, uh, actually, let me tell you one, one quick one quick thing. I think one of the best things I witnessed was when you came back in 2000. It would have been it would have been uh, 16 and you showed up at Kiko before the Miracle Jam at Shoreham, and you rode Kiko, and we all piled in under the jump.
1: I barely rode Kiko, too, Well,
0: you got through those first three sets, and and you were doing a table over all of us, and there was a whole bunch of us there, and it was Rich Bartlett was there, Crandall was there, uh, there was a whole bunch of us there, it was just, and of course Soup's and the whole crew but that that was the best everyone was so hyped up and and you were you were trying it over and over again till we could get
1: the right shot yeah that's because my knees don't bend anymore (laughs) that's right tabletops are all in the knees yeah table table regular tabletops are all in the knees yeah opposite tabletops are all in the wrists right I got. and my knees do not bend that way
0: anymore you still so, you still made, you still made it for a good day. It
1: was it was it was awesome. But I just wanted to. Yeah, it was to it was that. fun. It was nice being uh nice to be back in, in the trails riding. Yeah. Uh after not doing it for uh six or seven years before that.
0: Right, right. So absolutely. All right, so this stuff we're gonna get into the questions because you're going to uh I would think take off on a couple topics here. So, Greg Dixon wants to know, favorite push moments?
1: Um, you know what? I always loved the nat- the Nationals. Um, I mean, the trails would get destroyed during it. You know, but you got to sort of, um, you know, that was all your hard work out out there on display there. Those were your jumps that you built, you know, and you would have 200, 300 people riding them. Um, so, it was always it was always nice and then but it was always nice being able to ride them as well as anybody too so right. um you, you know, know the gt guys would show up and um someone reminded me of this the one day of, <laughs> i would take you didn't have to pedal at all towards the first jump and push yeah so you know we like gt was the enemy yeah. back then you know, we had thought they fucked over Brian Foster. You know, oh, we had, right, we right. thought Brian was the greatest thing in the world. Still do. Yeah, Still yeah. do think Brian's the best. But, yeah. you know, we, we hated GT at the right. time. Right. So, like, the GT guys would show up, you know, and would race, and they'd be like, oh, we'll follow somebody through the trails. So I would pedal my ass off at the first jump. Yeah. And then I would just jam on the brakes right before it and just, like, skip over it. And they would launch it to flat and just explode. Oh, my god! You gosh. know, and it was... uh but those were some of some of the best times. Were there uh, during the nationals? Um, the push, kill yourself jams yeah. were just fantastic because yeah. it, it was just total chaos. It was awesome. Everybody there was you know younger. It was yeah. younger kids. You got a ton of people coming in, and um, that and then just digging there a lot of right. times. You know, right. I would skip school on rainy days so that I could dig. Instead of, uh, instead of ride, So I would go out there, and you would dig all day, turn on the radio. With the, we would, uh, would listen to the oldies because we couldn't decide what radio station to listen <laughs> to. So Stig said we had to listen to the oldies. And that, was, uh, that was those were the best times. Oh, well, I'm
0: going to jump back to another question on Push, but this works with the first question. This one's from uh, Biz Jordan, Ryan Jordan. He says, "Was South Park your most dreaded weekend because of this?" This ties in with exactly what you just said, because of the 800 people that would show up at the trails and destroy them. Or did you enjoy it? I was one of the 800.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, like I said I did enjoy it. I mean, <laughs> listen, you gotta love a sprocket case. Oh yeah. Whether it's on your jump or not, you right, gotta right. you gotta love someone sinking the old 44 tooth into the backside um, and coming to a complete halt. And what was, I mean, it was comical. Because you yeah. got these guys and they might have a race or a, they might have a main later that day. Right. And they show up and some of them would just fucking destroy their bikes. Uh-huh. You know, and you're thinking like, damn dude, this dude in Clips just showed up in his uh, answer race gear, you know, and just snapped his forks off. Oh god. You know, and you're like, oh this so yeah. I mean it was it was good and bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. you liked it, you didn't like you didn't like that they killed all of the jumps. Right. You know, right. but it was, uh, it was a great time. And like I said, all those guys that would come in, you know, they were come in for the National. But during the National was the jumping contest. Right. So that's all, that's all of your buddies right. coming into town. Right. You know, so that's, you know, I don't see how anybody could look back. I mean, we might have complained about it, but that's just how we are at Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah right. But uh, at the time, you know, we probably what said we want, it sucked, but it wasn't. It.
0: when he comes back up we'll shift this way but anyway um here's another question from Greg Dixon wildest locals that
1: push I don't know there was a kid named Billy Ammerheim that was that was wild you know raging raging alcoholic would never dig would just show up huck himself um you had an old guy Todd Kephart great dude you know he was a he was a wild man um you know like he, he was older and you know he was, he was an old racer yeah and um, he was wild but there was never any there was never any real crazy moments at, yeah. at push where, anything, where we got out of control because we are so scared of losing the trails right, right so we didn't really do anything wild at the, at the trails yeah, yeah you know there, yeah. Was, there was no drinking there right. there were no fires there so but you had a couple guys that were just and when I say wild I mean sketchy as fuck Right. Like Billy Amrhein, he could be smooth, but at any given second, there could be a massive explosion. You know, so I mean. Well,
0: I got it. This wasn't wild. as and highly skilled. This was wild. as and oh my God, here we go. No,
1: no. The majority <laughs> of people had the same, had a very similar skill set. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't like anyone would just like right. show up and you would be like, oh dear God. You know, yeah, when, yeah. when Bennett would come down from uh, from Erie. You know, in Titusville, he would come down, and he was wild because he would throw all kinds of tricks. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I don't know how he ever walked away yeah. from 90% of them, but he, he did somehow, so oh, man. more power to him. That's great. In fact, there was a Bennett
0: question in here. Here you go. This is from Mike Netley, who I believe is in England, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he says, did you consider Bennett a push local as he did in perhaps 14
1: you know what uh, yeah like I mean he was he was our buddy I mean he sort of was a local he came down he came down enough um, at times so yeah for, for the most part he was a local guy I mean he was uh, you know one of, one of our buddies in, in that crew of people and right. actually you know a lot of guys traveled you know Pittsburgh guys with Chris all, all the time right so I mean like yeah he's he'd be a Pittsburgh local yeah yeah, I got gotcha. you. I mean, I, I, I have to give him that. It's either that or say he's from Titusville. Right. You know, I mean, God. <laughs>
0: right. All right, let's jump to a... We're going to save that one for after. Uh, here, let's do a Crandall yeah. one. Uh, tell us about summer
1: vacations to the Fat House. Best and worst thing that ever happened to my, me in my entire life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, I, was, I was 15... I believe maybe the first time we went to the Fat House. And, um, you know, I would travel out there with uh, Justin Cummings, the Pittsburgh local uh-huh. here. And, um, you know, we stayed like a week at a time. And the Fat House was just out of control. Yeah. Mike Tagg, McGillow, Joe DeGurda, Um Stu was, I don't think Stu lived there just yet at the house, but with, with Crandall, Jody Donnelly. Um, some sketchy ass skaters on occasion would would be there and Uh it was just out of control so as as like 15 year old kid riding bikes you know like that's where the bike jumps were so at the time if it would rain in Pittsburgh yeah and we looked at the weather and it said it was gonna rain for five days right we would then go to like a payphone with right. the uh, Coons uh, was the name of the, the grocery store outside of the trails yeah. and would call Fort Wayne and say what's the weather like it's dry all week yeah. okay we're coming out yeah. and that was it you know in the summertime so I'd go out there as a young kid and I probably learned more of what not to do with my life than what to do um, because I mean everybody everybody was drinking like yeah. crazy you right, know they were right. drinking and partying crazy shit would go down at the house. Um, stuff would be lit on fire. Stuff would... God would be hanging a... Um, uh, an old, like, bell helmet filled with CDs from his from his dick piercing and stuff. And, oh, my God. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, there was always somebody showing up at the house either trying to sell him a bag of meat that they stole from the store. Oh. And uh, so you had all kind of shady cats there. And, and, wow. Um, but one of the best things there was... Um, you know, Crand- Crandall has is, is always been pretty much the same. He was, he was wild at yeah. the time. But uh, Magilla and Mike Tagg, uh, Magilla's room was in the very front of the house. Right. But that's where I would stay because I was like the innocent, fragile-minded little little kid right. at the trails that could just ride a bike. And yeah. they were all, you know, Magilla didn't drink either. Oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's where I would stay. And McGilla and, and Tag always looked out for me yeah. more so than, than, than anybody else. Yeah. You know, like there would be some crazy shit going, going on at the house. But yeah. they always made sure that I was all right. Right. You know, as a young right. kid. So, I mean, those were, uh, those were pretty, pretty fun, t- fun times. Absolutely. So, right. I think What's at uh, that? 16, I just turned 16... And I went there for two weeks in the summertime with a buddy of mine. And I got there, and I only had $7. So I get to Fort Wayne, I have $7. You know, and I stayed with, um, at this point I stayed with Mike Tagg. Um, I think that's when I stayed with Tag, Tag's girlfriend down the street. Uh-huh. And I learned how to cook a potato like 9,000 different ways. I could cook anything out of a fucking potato. You know, you have seven dollars for two weeks, right? You, you know, you could do anything. You get the mac and cheese with no butter, no milk. Like you right. get you get macaroni, cheese powder, right, and like some nasty fat house water. You know? So that was uh and then to get home I won the the jumping contest at the ravine. Yeah. And there was no money in, in winning. It was just right, like a box right. it was a box of of parts, the so handlebars and, right. you know, T-shirts and shit. Right. So by this point, I had no money. Right. So I had to get home, and I traded everything, I believe, except for a hat. Yeah. I traded everything to Joe Goethe right. for... Uh, he had a three-liter liter bottle that was half full of change. Oh, okay. So we, like, he didn't know how much change was there. Yeah. And that was the deal. Like, Like, I got to get home. So there I am, you know, driving... From Fort Wayne home and stopping in the gas station and dumping out this bottle of change and counting it oh, on the right, seat right. to uh, to get to get home oh, and geez. that
0: was It's uh, crazy
1: and yeah. you were only 16 yeah I just turned 16 and that was the last I think it was the last time I did it I what call them a bus driver then instead of a bar spin yeah. because I did one maybe in like qualifying or something uh-huh. you know and, and no one was really doing them. Back then, but then in the final, I wanted to do something else, but for my last jump, and I didn't, and I did one of those, which I I didn't think was was a hard trick at the time. Not for me to do it. It was just one of the ones that I could do easily, and and, but nobody else was really doing them. So, but I won, and I just thought that it sucked. I thought that it sucked to win that contest. Yeah, doing something. Like that because it got graded higher. They're like, "Oh, we did a bar spin," oh, you know, "we did a great. bus driver," and I just didn't think it was worth that. So I yeah. mean, yeah, I, I didn't think I deserved to win that contest. Right. And I don't. I think maybe from that day on, I've probably done three of them. Have you? Yeah. Have and you? I just that was it. I'm like, you know what? This fuck that trick. <laughs> you know, I don't think it was worth what they scored me on it. Then <laughs> I don't think it's worth anything now. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, maybe Brian Fell was judging that one, too. Fuck Brian Fell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Trey Jones. Craziest Rick Moliterno story?
1: Every single day. Every day? Every day was a crazy Rick Moliterno story. There was nothing, nothing really just, there was nothing where, you know, like, hey, we, we just narrowly escaped being in jail. But, I mean, Rick knows how to, he knows how to live, man. You know everything. Yeah. So I mean, he's. I really don't have a, like a really crazy yeah. malinterno story. Um, nothing where, you know, and there's no never any charges pressed. Uh, <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> no go, no we'll, jail terms. We'll,
0: we'll go to an easier one from trade then. Craziest robo story. Bravo, sorry.
1: Robo. You, unique guy you know and one of uh one of my biggest influences riding bikes um the, i think maybe one of the best ones is showing up at a set of trails and everybody put all the weight of the world on robbie back oh, yeah. then he was the trail boss you know And he had to live up to that everywhere that he went you know so you show up he tags a landing by two inches and everyone's like, oh, Robbie, oh, Trail Boss, Trail uh, Boss. pressure. Yeah, man. the pressure was unreal. But the thing that they would always forget was, well, Robbie's a fucking man. Right. You know? Like, right. Robbie was doing it a long time. Yeah. And these little fucking punks would have to say something like, oh, yeah, who the Trail Boss? Now, like, he, he might, like, pull off the path one time. Right. Like, oh, a little out of control, you know? And, right. And, and talking shit. But, you know, some kids would, would say something to him. Yeah. I watched him just grab this kid by, by his face and throw him over this hillside, you know, and tell him, you know, in one of those, like, probably the same Rob he used all the time. It's like, hey, kid, this is real life. This yeah. ain't no fucking TV show. <laughs> Don't come around here running your mouth unless you're going to fucking back it up, you know? But, but I mean, so he, he just whips the kid over the hillside, and he said yeah. something like, you know who the fuck I am? <laughs> who you're fucking with? You know, and I mean... That was, uh, to me, that was like, yeah, hey, don't right. let those little kids talk right. shit. Right. You know, don't forget, I mean, you have a man here, right. you know, and right. you're this little snot-nosed brat that and shows you. up on your clapped-out fucking homes, yeah. and you want to run your mouth, you yeah. know, to this guy, you know, about he tagged the landing by two inches. Get the fuck out of here.
0: I think you used to call him piss ants. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that was one of his favorite words for him. Or right, another Trey Jones question. Best table in BMX?
1: Um this is a tough Brian one. Brian Foster, Justin Inman. Um this is not a tough one for you. Vic Murphy. Um Yeah, those are those are those are some of those the are, best tables and, Those are solid. Yeah, tables and, uh, and inverts. invert, you know, I mean they're, they're they're different though, so. They are. They are. But table tabletops yeah, for me, those those three guys are... Uh, Larry Edgar yeah. does a good tabletop. Right, right. Um, so one thing about those guys are those are all guys that they don't do an invert. They don't do like a carved 360 table where you don't know if it's a flip or a, or a 360. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are just straight tabletops. Yeah. You know? So...
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between doing it in a straight line, whether you're do, versus doing it on a, a quarter or a hip, right? Hips don't so, count. Yeah.
1: I mean, like I mean, you're talking
0: straight line jump table.
1: Yeah. Can you go? Can you straight jump that thing? Pull up as hard as you can. Right. Lay one over. Right and ride away. Or Or yeah. you have to be going left, or you have to be going right. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's. Yeah. it's different the yeah. hip the hip takes all of uh,
0: cheater cheater hip yeah cheater hip <laughs> alright let's see let's go with actually on the opinion or I'm sorry on the uh, topic of tables there was a good question in here from Shane I believe you pronounce it pareidolia Peridolia. Uh, step by step on how to
1: properly fold a flatty Step-by-step on a flatty, you would want to go as fast as you can, because you want to go as high as you can. So go as fast as you can, compress into the lip, pull back as hard as you can, going up the lip. Use your momentum to snap, once you hit the peak, using your momentum to snap your bike up into your body with your knees, and you have to turn the handlebars, and turn the handlebars. With a little bit of a wrist roll. Yeah. And then try to land front wheel first. That's it. But For, that's
0: front the wheel.: Tables first. are
1: all in the knees.
0: That's going to be the takeaway of the day, front wheel first. That's it too. <laughs> all right, I get more pl- I, I've got plenty of good ones. Uh, let's see. Evan Smedley. He's from Harrisburg Way. Great photographer, great rider if you could bring back one thing from your time as a pro BMXer, or what would it be
1: my knee probably <laughs> definitely i definitely bring my knee back oh. the knees r.i.p to the left knee my man it's oh. gone That's um you know what i would i would bring back is um the i would bring back the the youth of the entire scene uh-huh. you know it, it is an it is an older scene you know my scene was more of the trail scene but like I touched on earlier it's it's it is an older group of guys that are out there at the trails every right. time right you know i mean we were we were leaving the trails worrying about you know our science test the next day that right. was the group all of those groups at the different trails were all teenagers right but you just you don't see that very often right so you know i mean i i would i would bring that that back you know it's it's a hard thing but Right. Everything else is uh, it's, it's right there at your your fingertips to grab. You want to go to the park? You just go to the park. Yeah. There's 10 skate parks within an hour of my house to ride, cool. whether it's wood or, co- or concrete park. Yeah. You know? But when I was 15, the closest park was in Allentown, Shimerville. Oh so we would get God. in the truck and drive That's through the cool. freezing cold. Yeah. Six hours to show up and have Lucky make us look like assholes because he's just like shredding the spine and we would launch the spine to flat. You know, we were just just racers. You know, we didn't have, but that that was it. So I I would bring back, I would bring back those smaller trail scenes. Yeah. You know where it was, it was all younger kids coming up and sort of um, paving the way. Right. Couches. And my knee. (laughs) That's good.
0: All right, let's see. Let's go with, here's a good one, Nick Rosano. I think he's a Long Island guy. Did you ever give trail tickets for pegs like Brian McCormick did?
1: We could be dicks at the trails. So, yeah, I mean, you guys would show up with uh, pegs on, you know, two pegs, four pegs, and um, flail around a little bit. You know, you hear the gyro cable slapping off the frame a hundred times. And, uh, you know, the peg, if we only... We only were dicks to the guys like that because typically they couldn't ride what we were riding. We couldn't ride what they rode either. Right. But the pegs would always jack the jumps up. Yeah. You know, the, the bike would go bouncing into oh, the next lip and, right, right. and it would pe- oh. it would peg the center of the lip. And, oh. you know, it, and the lips weren't very nice to begin with. So. Right. right. Not like today's no. jumps.
0: No. We weren't quite at rake and ride, but we're somewhere between rake and ride and, and today's dirt sculpting.
1: Yeah. We would tell people uh you know, we'd tell people, dude, you gotta go. Right. You're out. Right. Like I mean I, I didn't I I didn't skip three days of school in the last month <laughs> for you to come over here and completely fuck my jump up. You know, like take your pegs, get the fuck out of here, go ride street. That, you know, that's that, essentially a ticket. Yeah, so that was that was it.
0: Oh man. I never right.
1: had anything on paper though, but we will get them <laughs> Absolutely made up.
0: All right, let's go to Insta Diggles. What does PUSH really stand for?
1: PUSH was just um, Justin Short and Jason Stig, who started the trails, didn't know what to call the trails. So they're walking through the woods and they see some sticker stuck on a tree. And they say, hey, whatever it says on that sticker, that's what we're naming the trails. Yeah. That's it. So they walked over, and it was the sticker off the front door of the, of the Hills Department store next door, and it said, push, okay. like push to open. Yeah, so yeah. that was it. And so everybody asked, what does it stand for? Right, right, you know, right. And at some point, he would make shirts that said, poor, useless, stupid yeah, humans yeah. Right. on it. But that was it. It was just a sticker to the door. And the posh guys at first we heard like, Oh the posh guys think you're think you're fucking with them. Right, right. They wanna beat your ass.
0: Yeah, this is the West West Pennsylvania version of, of yeah. Posh.
1: Yeah, South Park National, you're gonna get your ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was it. So but it, really it was nothing... as simple as a sticker off a store. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing.
0: There's oh, nothing man. in depth about it at all. It just... Oh, the, the simplicity of it. That's the
1: best. Yeah, most, most things are. It, yeah. down
0: to it. All right, he also asks, Top five lines at trails between 94 and 99. This is, this is kind of involved, but if you just want to rip off a couple...
1: Top five lines at trails? Yeah, different um, places you went. Racetrack was my favorite line at push. Um, Fort Wayne, like I like the stump jump. That was the biggest jump there. You just pedaled your ass off to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had good good lines there. Um, Posh at the time, six on the hill, six on the hill in middle, were my favorite lines. And then maybe the long rhythm at Seven Eleven. Uh right. At the time.
0: Right. So. How could you miss that?
1: Yeah, that's five. That's.
0: That's good. Those
1: were my spots.
0: He asks, why is Drew Jenkins the best ever?
1: A better question, why wouldn't he be? Right. Because in 95, you know, he was landing in a manual, you know, finger on the trigger, landed in a manual, bump jump the next thing at, at, at Drexel Brook, midair, do a backwards crank get in the air. You know, um, because yeah. he was smooth before there was smooth, like yeah. he was smooth while we were all still like buying stock in headset cups, yeah. you know, right. that's why you know, like he was he was ahead of his time, not yeah. great guy, Drexelbrook was a awesome place, glad I got to the ride there oh, me too, Drexel um, was awesome, but yeah, I mean, like he was. He was that smooth guy at the trails before there was that smooth guy yeah. at, at the trails that yeah. that didn't take his riding um, somewhere that it, it, it didn't need to go. Right. You know, like he wasn't going to show up at a at the national and, and hit the jumping contest jump a couple of times. Right? No. Right. Drew stayed in his lane. He was and he was the best at it. Yeah. And when I when I watched him ride, I was just like, damn, this dude is so smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. That's why he's the best.
0: All right, I like that answer. We're going to finish on the the, the last of the Diggles questions before we jump on to other ones. Diggles got him to, loaded. He's ready. He he was fired up. He wanted to run the he wanted to run the interview. He said,
1: "Oh, that would have been funny." Yeah,
0: we'll let him run part two. Uh, so, top six trail riders in history.
1: Top six the, trail riders in history.
0: Yeah. you... You could uh, you could be loose on this we can give you an extra or takeaway you could do whatever you want to do
1: you know that's I mean that's a hard question because there's you have to look at like the history of of the trails of these yeah. guys going for it when when the jumps weren't all all trimmed up like a, like a skate park right you know so I don't know I don't think they're any guy you know if you look back at like in the late 90s, everybody that's riding today could do anything that they did right you know so to say that there's six guys that were like that were the best at it yeah. you know i i don't know but you know some guys back then you could show up at any given set of trails and ride them right you know brian foster could show up anywhere right and, and ride them right. robbie could show up anywhere and ride them you know that being said i mean yeah that group long island group you know all those guys, but there these, all these racer guys—they could show up and ride anything. Yeah, you know, oh, Stralecki. lucky could ride anything. Rookie, yeah, you know that young group from Long Island with uh, Tom Irochi. Tom Bavona, Irochi, yeah. Brandon Silvers, yeah. Keith Terra—they show up. They could ride anything. Yeah, you know, um, so but I mean all those guys. Yeah, every, every all one of them. You know, but so say there's someone that's better than anyone else it's at like, it.
0: Let's leave it at that. I yeah. like that. Uh, here's one. You know Mark uh, summer from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Sommer, I should say. Yeah. Um, what influence did growing up in Brentwood have on you?
1: <laughs> Brentwood was just the little town that I grew a in, the little suburb uh, I grew up, of up in. Of Pittsburgh? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I think mostly what it taught me was... Uh, I was really the only bike rider there. I mean, we all grew up. My brother and I rode when we were, um, when we were younger with a couple friends. We all rode. But then they all quit riding, and, and I continued to. So I was really the, the only guy in my high school that rode. Yeah. You know I mean? There were a couple kids that were a little bit younger than me, maybe four or five years younger. Uh-huh. But I was the only one riding at that, at that level. Right. And, um you know, it, it taught me a couple things, like, learned about, learned about politics there and, like, the bullshit that goes along with Southwestern Pennsylvania, as much as I love it, it is the biggest fucking redneck area you could ever imagine, you yeah. know, like, so I would, I would come in, I remember coming into gym class, and the, the gym teacher was the, the football coach, you know, and I have stitches in my shin, and I have stitches in my palm, and he wants me to take gym class, but they have a, its Friday, and the football team doesn't have to take gym class because they're playing football. You know, I'm thinking, well, what the fuck? Right you know, now? I mean, like you could walk across the street and buy a BMX plus, and I'd be in it. And these kids that went to a single-way school playing football were never going to make anything out of their fucking life. Right. But yeah. since that's what like the—that's what was big, that's what they wanted to see. So like, it—it it sort of sucked. You sort of seen how that went. You seen how like the. Uh, uh, in your math and geometry and trig classes that they would they the guy would actually ask me to give it to my buddy right who was a star on a football team give him <laughs> my test so he could cop, copy it you know so like it's just this little it's this little town small maybe 100 yeah. kids in the high school yeah but um you know I learned learned a lot there and actually uh it was sort of like all white town too yeah You know, and and it was like, Geraldo Rivera actually called it the most racist town in America at one point on national television. Wow. Um, So, I mean, it was... sure he wasn't talking about California? Brentwood, California? No. (laughs) There was uh, one of the Pittsburgh Steelers' um, cousins was killed by a police officer there. Wow. You know, and and then, you know, it was national news, so... Yeah. It was really... uh, it was interesting growing up there. It was really interesting when I when I would uh, ride through town with myself, LaJuan Cunningham, yep. Kareem Richards, who's Jason Richardson's oh my uh, gosh, yeah, uh, yeah, Kareem Richardson, Jason Richardson's older brother, right. And I think uh, Emmett Coons was there. Yep. I picked him up from the airport one day. So it's yeah. me, you know, those three, and we're riding through this hillbilly ass backwood town. It was, yeah, it was interesting. Oh so, my gosh! Wow.
0: Oh, well, it looks like they're doing the group photo for the Ride Like a Girl yeah. Day.
1: Got a bunch of them out there, too. Yeah.
0: All right, so here's a question. We might have to get closer to the mic for this one, but Greg Dixon wants to know about this quote. Didn't go to my home trails to come ride this shit. Uh, did, I <laughs> Elaborate build, on that. <laughs> I
1: didn't build my own trails to come ride this shit. Oh, okay. I Meaning it, it, at one point, you know, I, I don't know if that came from a tread magazine or something but okay you know you're traveling around you're hitting all these trail spots and a lot of them sucked right right you know i remember seeing all these pictures of brian castillo at this on this one jump out in california and in the in the background is uh, like a freeway right he had all kind of pictures over it, and he just like owned this jump yeah. he would do every trick over it and i thought ah oh, looks like a fun place to ride yeah. and i got there and i was like this place fucking sucks yeah, yeah. there's like two jumps you know it's right. so like you would look at a couple of things and then you would want to go ride there but then when you got there you're disappointed right and I'm thinking right. and that's what I was thinking I didn't build my own fucking jumps to waste my time and come ride these three fucking bumps right here like fuck this place yeah. I'm out it I'm out of. and actually when I went to that place that um, out in California it was yeah. on the uh, standard exit 63 trip yeah and then I didn't even ride. I pulled out a lawn chair and I ate chips and salsa. And I watched everyone else ride, I'm like, I'm not even riding, I'm not even riding here. Like, I don't want to ride this. You know, oh,
0: I mean, you know what, that brings up a Keith Tara question. What was the Exit 63 video trip? Uh, I kind of messed that up. I'm not sure how, what this is supposed to say, but, what? oh, I'm sorry, was the Exit 63 video trip your favorite trip?
1: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, probably. I mean it had the most the most people on it. It was myself, Brandon Poundai, uh, Rick Bon Rick Volanturno, Keith Terra, Jim Renstra, um, Paul Wasika, uh, Glenn Milligan, Jerry Bagley, uh I mentioned Terra. Renstra. Yeah, it was uh it was awesome. Yeah. And like out of all those guys, like, you know, they could all ride. Yeah. You know, like, I was probably, at that point on Standard, I was probably like the 35th best rider <laughs> on the team. You know, like, everybody could ride. Right, right. And that was, uh, that was a fun trip. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, uh, I think at the end, Bagley and uh, Punjab, they, and maybe Keith, I'm not, I'm not sure how Keith felt about it, but I know Bagley and Punjab were sort of o- over it. You know, they were they were like, oh, man, was, can't wait for the trip to end.
0: Where did the trip roughly go?
1: It was like a two-part trip. We started in Iowa, yeah. drove down to the Florida National, right? Um, for the and did the DK dirt jumping contest. Back to Iowa, then we drove out to California, down through Arizona, and, okay. and back home. You gotcha. Back back to Iowa. That's a lot of miles. Yeah, and I drove I drove the first half of it pretty much. Yeah. Because I was losing my license. At, at the time, so I only had a couple days to, that I could drive. Still, you know, so they're like, "All right, Chuck, you're driving. You lose your license halfway through. You're driving." So I drove, you know, most of the uh, the, the first half of it. Yeah, yeah, it was I, it was a good trip. But all those guys on it, yeah, you know, like the riding was fun, but all the, oh, the guys made it worth it. The personalities, yeah. and yeah. stuff. So.
0: Still, yeah, sure. St- still longtime friends, right?
1: Yeah.
0: How about... All right, let's go to Mike Rotundo. He's a guy from Massachusetts. Do you ever sleep in a full face?
1: There's a, there's a couple questions yeah. about
0: this full face deal.
1: Um, 95 Extreme Games. They weren't the X Games yet. They were the right. Extreme Games. Uh, went on a trip for about two and a half weeks. And... At one point, we're at Mike Rotundo's house. It was myself, Stu Johnson, Mike Tag, and Wilbur Perrick. And they had picked me up in, in Pittsburgh on their way through on this trip. Yeah. And uh, that was when they, most of 1201 video was filmed on that trip. But at one point, we uh, show up at, at Mike's house, and I don't have a pillow. Like I mean, all, we, all I had was a backpack. You know, like I'm, I think I just turned 16, possibly. Yeah. And, um, you know, everyone brought all their travel shit with them, but I i always just traveled with a backpack. I never brought a pillow, right. blanket, right. anything. So um, we get there, and I'm like, I can't sleep. Yeah. With, uh, I don't have anything to, like, hold my head up. So I'd been sleeping this way. You know, we had stayed at a couple different people's houses, and, you know, they had extra pillows, but right. I couldn't have, I didn't have anything to hold my head up, so. Right. I put on a full-face helmet. And voila, 360 degrees of pillow. Like, that's it. You're, you're it golden. makes great sense. I woke up and neck wasn't sore. So like, Right. So, yeah, I've I've slept in a full-face helmet multiple times. Oh, man.
0: Oh, here we go. And let's jump to a Nathan Hallahan question. Should we sleep in our full-face helmets on school nights?
1: <laughs> well, they're homeschooled, so, I mean, they right, can right. let it ride whenever. Right, right. Yeah. I, if... Full-face helmets only in case of emergency. <laughs> right. I would, I would uh, go for the factory uh, pillow. Wait, wait,
0: yeah, got it. So only when necessity dictates.
1: Yeah, only, you know, he may find himself in that position.
0: Right. You know, right. and I
1: love that those those boys wear their full-face helmets. Right. Too. Right. You know, I mean, gonna there comes a day when just about everybody out there regrets not having one on. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. And, uh... I like that. I like that. That's that's how they ride the majority of the time.
0: They do. They do, and I, I do too. But that's more because I'm sketchy as hell, and it's, I'd rather have, is something to take the, to it's something to yeah. absorb before it hits my pretty <laughs> my pretty face. Yeah, before it knocks yeah, the pearly right, whites loose. Right, right. For again. Short. Right, again. Um, all right. So one last quick, uh, Rotundo jab. So do you ever wish you were from Boston so your team
1: wouldn't suck? Which team? This, listen. He can say all he wants about the Patriots. Him, Bagley, Biz. They're fucking cheaters, all right? Bagley, your team is fucking cheaters. Biz, your team is cheaters. You guys fucking cheat, you know? Right. It's, not, it's not a, a, a war. Right. It's, a, it's a football game, and there's rules to it, and you guys are cheaters. That being said... Uh, yeah. You're happy where you're from. Yeah, I'm happy where I'm from. And they, the Bruins suck, by the way, too. So with, we've had three Stanley Cups in the last right. nine years. Right. I think they've got one. So good. Oh, God. All right,
0: let's jump back to X Games because you just mentioned them. Well, you said Extreme Games, but No Footer 4130 asks, have you heard the story from Scott Yolkulet, or I have heard the story from Scott Yolkulet. Now I want to hear your side about an X Games appearance.
1: That was a very, uh, yeah, the very first X Games, 95. Rhode and, Island? Yep, in, Ro- in Rhode Island. And well, Robbo had some issues there too, right? That was 96. Oh, okay. Yeah, Robbie broke his collarbone ninety six. 96 yeah. um, X so, Games. But 95, okay. um, that was the, the trip went on with Tag and Wilbur and uh, Stu. Yeah. Where those guys picked pick me up on the way through. Yeah. And they were like, hey, you know, we're going on this trip. This is where we're going. Yeah. And they said we're going to go to this uh, this contest the ESPN's having. It's, mm-hmm. it's the extreme games. It's all these you know all these athletes there. Okay. So we yeah. went and they said, hey, well, I'm not sure who put the list together of what riders should be. Right. Excuse me, should be in it. But I looked at that list of like Mike Aukerbach, ain't no fucking dirt jumper. Right. You know, like. Right. And it was it was a goofy list. But yeah. um, either way, I'd show up and I. had... I knew from those guys because, you know, they came from F- Fort Wayne. Right. And Yokolette's a Fort Wayne guy. Right. And they said, hey, Scotty had an invitation, but he's not going to be here. Yeah. So I went and checked in as yeah. Scott Yokelet. There <laughs> were no, like, official – you didn't have to show anything at the time. Right, right. You know, so I check in as, as Scott Yokolette. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll just ride as Scotty in this in this contest. It's not, not a big deal. Right. And the athletes actually were – Given room and board at this right. um, I don't know if it was a college of sorts. I'm like some small room yeah, yeah,
0: it was, I, that's um, what I heard it was.
1: so you know I checked I checked into his room and I'm thinking like, oh, this is great. I've been on the road for a yeah. week and a half going to take right. a shower right and um, it, it, at some point, they found out and Susie Kobler came and did a little yeah yeah quick interview with me and asked me though know, I, I thought I was going to get in trouble. You know arrested or something, but they sort of uh embraced it, and yeah, that was it and I never even jumped the the jump I looked at the jump I'm like, that jump sucks you know i don't want- to I don't want to jump that that thing, so that was it so i was i was
0: busted back back to the would have been better off staying home riding your own trails
1: yeah yeah it was but it was it made for a great story yeah it, it ended up on uh ESPN or ESPN Two, a little segment there where they said, "Hey, Isaac Groundchuck McRae, you know, checked into his room. You know, we busted him. Blah blah blah." That's blah. Great. So, yeah, thanks to Scotty, I still have those uh, credentials in my in my house. That's awesome.
0: All right, here's one. Tabletop Bob, opinion between kickouts and moto whips.
1: Not even remotely close to the same thing. No. Everybody does a kickout these days. Right. You know, the kickout is, is the new.
0: That's the method to go over any jump here, right?
1: Yeah. Everybody does the, does the kick out, and they all, you know, it's self proclaimed whip. Right. It's whip it Wednesday on Instagram. <laughs> Look at my kick out. Get the fuck out of here. You know? <laughs> a kick out is just that. Right. You kick the back end out. You know, right. like a lot of people do it, and then then they say, they all say, like, oh, that's a whip. Right, right. That's, that's a whip. Like, right. You ever see Ricky Carmichael? Yeah. Ricky yeah. Carmichael right. does whips. Right. These are just kickouts. So, exactly a whip is starting with the tabletop uh-huh. and then kicking your back end out while your front end is dropping, right? And most definitely landing front wheel first. Like, if right. you were to look at the old motocross videos of yeah. guys doing whips, right? That's that's a whip, and these are kickouts. Got it. You know, just the terminology, everybody wants to. They all want to act like they're on a motorcycle. Get a fucking motorcycle if you want to act that way. You're on a bicycle, you know. Like, quit playing fucking pretend, and and, and it is what it is. Yeah, right. But they're not the same. And tabletop Bob does some some awesome whips. Yeah. Too, by the way. Yeah. So big difference. Right. This,
0: this segues pretty well because there's another user uh, Instagram username Garden Dirt Jumps of Chicago. And he wants to know, did you ever ride motocross?
1: I did. I never raced motocross, but I grew up riding motorcycles, um, and which was, uh, you know, one of the biggest influences on me growing up. Yeah. And I had a CR80 at the time. I think I was 13, and I blew it up, you know. And, and I, we were dirt poor. I didn't have any money to fix it. My brother was. Uh, maybe fifteen and working at a body shop, so yeah. he could afford um, to go out and work on his dirt bike right at, at the time, you know where I, I didn't. right So that was it. We didn't have any money. Girls are getting crazy.
0: Yeah, the girls are getting crazy.
1: But um, that was how I ended up riding bicycles because I didn't have the money to fix my dirt bike. Yeah, and that that was it. My bike was there. That was the end of it. Yeah. No more, no more motocross. But then I got a couple dirt bikes back. Um, you know, as I got older and had more money, but yeah. never raced or, or anything. You're,
0: you're a fan of it, though. You watch Supercross and
1: oh yeah, you know, that's that's all I wanted to do growing up. Yeah. If I would have had, you know, a little bit more money, I would have never rode bikes. Yeah. I would have rode motorcycles. So, yeah. 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 Huge, huge fan of
0: yeah of it. Too, which reminds me, I didn't, I didn't record tonight, so I'm, I'm gonna have to call home and get that recording set, it's for uh, Houston, yeah, Houston tonight. Um, all right, another one from Garden Dirt Jumps of Chicago. Uh, let's see, do you remember? No. All right, do you remember learning ground chucks? What inspired them? I didn't know there was a jump called a ground chuck.
1: Yeah, it's some. Some, I didn't know they called it a ground chuck either. Okay. But that behind-the-back seat grab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this. Yeah, that that's oh, on that, that shirt. shirt there. Okay. That's what... Um, I only learned that a couple years ago. Okay. And somebody said, oh, you're going to do, do a, a ground chuck, and I'm thinking, like, what, a sprocket case? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like... That is also my signature move, you know? Also
0: called a bike rack. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Dead sailor, toe drag. Right. You know, I mean, I got a, I got a bunch. But um, I don't remember it as much as my buddy Marty Yockel does. He yeah. says he remembers because I'd watched Brennan Brown and yeah. Nate Wessel do those behind-the-back seat grabs. Right. But I thought, like, I would jump and do these sort of, like, inward tabletops. Right. You know, who I watch, like, Cody Cody digs do him all the time now like you're jumping you're up and then i sort of lean into it lean lean the bottom of the bike you know Mm -hmm. back towards the towards the takeoff got it the way marty explains is he said i told him yeah you know we're doing this i think i could do like a a backwards tabletop of sort right where my bike was facing backwards right and then it i guess Mm -hmm. that was the end result I, got I don't. You. I don't remember it as well as he. He he says he remembers the exact day it happened. Yeah. But uh, it is what it is. All
0: right. Let's go to. All right. We'll do a Jeremy Verroquist uh, question. Madrat sixty three on Instagram. Talk about taking over a keg party in Iowa City. <laughs> Jeremy's, uh, Jeremy's a good dude.
1: Great dude. Great dude. We are. We would travel from da- Davenport to Iowa City. Yeah. To party sometimes, when um, we're living in Iowa. And we go we go to Iowa City, college town there, take the yeah. Hawkeyes or something from there, and um we end up at this this like frat house of of sorts and big tons of beer, you know, and there's a couple yo yo's over there, muscle heads, sort of guarding the keg. And it's myself, Punjab, Rick, I don't even know who else was there. Yeah. Um, so there, there were so many, so many people. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And we end up, we end up going to, to get beer.
0: Yeah.
1: And we're all wearing standard bike company jackets. So we yeah. go over there and we sort of just take over all of the cake, the, yeah. the, the beer, uh, distribution. So now we're like the mafia of beer distribution, mm-hmm. in Iowa City party, So all these muscle heads, you know, they're like, they would come up for a beer right. and we made them name a Pittsburgh Steeler, either <laughs> either present or past. Right. So we're there right. and I believe Sean Murphy and maybe Verhulst went outside and like threw all of their porch furniture on the street yeah. or something. You know, I mean, we were just like raging yeah. there. And so everybody had the name of Pittsburgh Steeler to get a beer. So it turned out like these people hated us. And then they thought it was funny, they loved us. But some girl comes up and says, you know, I want a beer. What's name? name a Steeler. Right. I don't know any Steelers. Well, you don't get a beer then. So this goes on for a minute. She's like, you know who my boyfriend is? He owns his house. And I don't know if it was Murphy or what that said, you know, if we gave two shit to who your boyfriend was or if he was going to do anything about it, it would have already happened. But you better find a friend, you know, that knows a Pittsburgh Steeler and come back if you want a drink. So we, uh, that night was wild. We were out there raging on the porch. Um, oh, it, it was yeah. uh, stirring up fights, and we ended up uh, leaving there, going to another party. And yeah. I remember uh, Sean Murphy, we we left the next party like in a fight to the door. Yeah. We're like, we're running out of the door, kicking holes in the wall, throwing yeah. their stuff. And uh, that started by Sean someone saying the party was boring. And I said, hey, you want to make it interesting? And I picked up one of their uh, chairs out of their kitchen table and smashed it on the floor, yeah. and, every, and all of a sudden, hell broke loose. Oh my God. So we run out, and Sean Murphy, as we're running out, has a bottle of scope in his hand. Sean Murphy played AAA baseball for the Indians at the time. He throws a frozen rope from about 50 yards, the scope bottle, right back through the window of the house. You know, and it was—it uh, oh
0: was—it
1: was a wild night. But take that, Mike Rotondo. <laughs> yeah, I could have used a full face that night,
0: for sure. Oh man! All right, let's get into a deeper question uh, from Jerry Bagley. Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave Standard when everyone else did?
1: I think that I had a very. And, and still do have a very unique relationship with with Rick where like Rick wasn't Rick was my my bike sponsor but Rick was also my very good friend um, still is he was more of you know to a to a certain extent like a big brother you know to me and um, like standard bikes that was that's who that's who I am yeah. you know like everything right. that they stood for back then that that was me Right. you know I love a lot of similarities between rick and i personality wise mm-hmm. on different things but like one i'm not going to ride a fucking bike that has a surfboard for a down tube either like i don't believe in that like right. if your bike looks like an erector set right like, no I'm, I'm not riding it and that right. was at the time where you know all of this big corporate money was was coming in right and when riding bikes became a job to me right. i didn't like it right anymore you know because it's not why I ever did it I never wanted to do it because that was how I was gonna make some money doing it right you know I just wanted to do it because it was what I loved doing yeah And I loved riding for Standard that was that was it right. and at, at one point in uh, in Iowa I had moved out there for a while was working at the Standard I would answer all the kids uh, mail if you sent a letter to Standard in like the summer of 1997 or the fall chances are i answered it i would i would write you a personal letter back okay. you know and throw stickers in and stuff but right that was it was more of a lifestyle for me right. than than it was um a sponsorship right and i signed a contract in blood <laughs> like as a joke i ripped a scab off at one point uh they at standard and Right. Rick hung it up on the wall, but it was signed in uh, a yeah. signed in blood that I would always ride for, yeah. for standard. But that was, like I said, that's. Sounds that like you guys
0: had a different connection than the rest of the guys did.
1: Yeah, we have a good good relationship. There was a time where we didn't talk for years and years, but I didn't talk to anybody for right. years and years. Sure. So, but when you know, got on the phone, it's like you don't skip a beat. Yeah. So, yeah. that's uh,
0: That's all good. Yeah. All right. How about this? Is from Bug, uh, Bubba BMX. Gnarliest thing you ever did.
1: Gnarliest thing I ever did.
0: Could be a could be a jump that was gnarly. Could be, you know, at trails that was just like, oh, this is sketchy. Could be, could be a
1: gnarly. I don't, I I don't I don't know. Like I think back in the day at all the trails. I mean, I did. I would do all of the transfers that, that were that were there. Right. Um, there was a jump at push. It was the ski jump. Well, not the ski jump. We actually called it the hip. The ski jump was off to the right of it. But the hip was a short jump, but you had three, maybe four different takeoffs that all landed on that landing. Oh, okay. And so at one point, um, I would jump and transfer over... <coughs> on the on the landing as far as I could and it was you would table to the left side yeah yeah coming over it was a hip to the right right but we had a takeoff all the way at the end of that and we had never jumped it you were supposed to jump all the way across that landing and, land, and we never used it so one day I you know I decided I'm like man I'm jumping far enough over there I take a couple extra cranks I can jump and land on the takeoff to that other jump on the other side so I went over and I just took a shovel and you know chopped up the top of the lip knocked the top of it off and and went for it and I cased it a little bit then and then you know started clearing it and I, I remember this that Bennett was there riding that day Yeah. And Bennett sorry Chris but you sprocket cased the fuck out of that day <laughs> like he he got his front wheel over it I remember yeah. that you yeah. know but then uh, we were that turned in, into a jump eventually. We shaped the landing up, and then it became a jump that hit all the time. Really? So, yeah, it was in it, but that was, uh, at the time, it was like, it was, it seemed a little crazy. It yeah. seemed like a little, pretty gnarly to just go, all right, I'm going to have to jump six feet further and, yeah. you know, worked out. Whenever I think
0: you're not going to oh, have yeah. an answer to a question and you don't think you're going to have an answer, all of a sudden you pull out an answer, <laughs> a good yeah. one. All right, so this one's from uh, Montana Ricky but how many hours do you spend insta creeping profiles per day
1: on instagram yeah you know what i i do spend a decent amount of time on there for the for a couple reasons one i go to work and i'm sitting there you know at work with a bunch of construction workers right. you know i'm sitting at the lunch table you know and they're reading the news this right. or that like, right. i don't want to read read the news right. every single day like i know somebody got shot Right. I know somebody got raped. I know somebody got killed. I know right. it, it it happened. Right. Like right. I wanna see something that, that I like to see. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like i at lunchtime or yeah. at break time, nine thirty every day I sit down and get a yeah. snack. Yeah, yeah. Flip through Instagram on my phone. Yeah. Twelve o'clock, same thing. Yeah. It's but it's stuff that I like to right. to see. You right. know, it's not depressing like reading a newspaper right. or something. And then I end up going to taking my kids to hockey practices. Right. Just all constantly. Yeah. You know, my son three days a week for just for the practices yeah. and they're long. Yeah, so you're sitting around waiting, right? Yeah, I mean what I'm sometimes I'm at that rink for three hours. Right. You know, so right. if you're sitting there at a rink for three hours, yeah. You can only do so much. <laughs> right. You know, so I'll sit there and flip through Instagram and look at uh, pictures of people doing tabletops. Yeah. And 90% of the time, like, if I go and scroll on to Instagram to look at it, well, it's basically just killing time right? for the most part. Right. But I'll scroll through it. If it doesn't have a tree yeah. in the picture, like, I almost don't look at them. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, those are the things that catch my eye. I, I would yeah. scroll through, you know, yeah. in a, a tree or a tabletop, and then, like, I'll, I'll right. click on it and, and look for it. But yeah. once you read the news through there, I mean, three hours at the rink, right. you read the news, you're done in an hour. You have two yeah. hours to to pretty much do whatever you know creeping yeah you just gotta kill time (laughs) I love I love watching uh, Ricky ride because he could turn anything into a spot oh my gosh you're not kidding like I don't I don't have that ability right I never I don't jib right Right. get that right Right. now listen one I don't fucking 180 right I don't jib I don't ride backwards right you know like I ride a bicycle not a fucking forklift right all right steering wheels in the front I go forwards all right but, and I want to jump. Yeah. I can't look at a spot like him where there's a curb, yeah. you know, a loading dock, you know, a yeah. garbage can and stuff and turn right. it into something that was, that, right. was, that was fun to me. Like, I would ride through and kick the garbage yeah, can.
0: Right, right. You know,
1: kick the yeah. can to make some noise and, and keep riding. But yeah. he can turn it into something that he rides and not only that, but has fun doing it. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, so I give him a. Oh, like,
0: uh, he's a, he's a great guy, and he loves you, and he told and he said he can't wait to ride with you at some point. Um, all right, Trail Surf says Death Valley and in, in the standard video, place looks nuts in your part. Just you want to comment on that?
1: Yeah, Death Valley was, I mean, it was unique at the time when Push got plowed. Marty Yockel, who was racing Double A Pro at the time, uh huh, um, was was one of my best friends and he said hey he's like we can't just let not have a spot to ride you know this is how i'm making my money right now i'm riding bikes and and we actually worked together too sort of at the end of his you know of his riding too right and um but he said hey we got to have another spot marty's like very proactive yeah gung-ho so he would show up at my house we got fox and standard to give us some money uh to rent a skid steer yeah we built these jumps and you know, Marty and, and myself at the time were thinking like we gotta build the biggest, baddest jumps. Like remember thinking the eight packet push, you didn't have to pedal to hit it the first set. Like you could almost jump and land if you pedaled your ass off, you might be able to quad it. You know? Like I mean so you thought, well, you know what, like let's build something bigger, you know? And at the time, like I would compare the the jumps that were being built. Like, they were more supercross, right? Like, uh, you know, jump, 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 one after yeah. another. We didn't want supercross. We wanted motocross, right? And like, anyone who mm-hmm. knows anything about about supercross and motocross knows that there's right. a huge difference. Oh yeah. You know, but that's what we wanted to build. We wanted to build motocross track for our bikes, and that's what what we built. And they were they were gnarly. Yeah. They were. Um, yeah, gnar- yeah, gnarliest thing I ever did was probably three sixty. The last set of that, uh, the big section at Death Valley, it was a thirty foot double at the end. You know, and uh,
0: where where was Death Valley? Is it in Pittsburgh?
1: Yeah, it's about um, yeah in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. You know, it's about a half hour ride or so from my from my house. Yeah, long was, gone now. No, it's um, kids. Actually, went so not kids, a couple, couple guys actually started building there again. There were two uh-huh. sections. There was a main section where all the big jumps were that you saw um, in those couple of videos, right? And those big jumps, you were going fast as hell like you were flying yeah. when, when you hit them. And nothing was smooth, it wasn't right. groomed Right. properly, you know, like jumps today. Right. And then there was a little section on up on the hillside a little bit. Yeah. Well, eventually they came through for some drilling or mining and plowed through some of the jumps. Right. But the little section still stood there, and guys, a couple of guys in that area that actually come here and ride the wheelmill, yeah, pretty often, went back there and and started rebuilding them. And mm-hmm. so it's completely different. Nothing is even remotely close to the same. Right. right. But it's there. And that, yeah. uh, but that was the, uh, those were gnarly jumps. And the day, the day that I got hurt riding that i blew out my knee there nobody ever rode there ever again really that was it because mostly it was marty yako and myself so marty was filming like or getting a couple pictures of him riding motocross that day and he got two flat tires right marty never rode his 20-inch bike ever again hung it up in his garage never rode it like that was it that was the end this would have been about 2000. 99? Uh, Ninety Maybe 90, 98 or 99. Oh, I it. don't know, but that was once I hurt my knee, yep. nobody ever went back. Really? Yeah, so nobody ever rode those specific jumps again. Yeah. And Marty Yockel never rode his 20-inch bike ever again. Wow, crazy. Now he's all go-karts, right? Yeah, Sun races go-karts. Um, at one point, Marty was riding downhill mountain bikes oh, and had it? the baddest mountain bike jumps i've ever seen at his house really the first takeoff was downhill but it was a freestyle motocross ramp they faced it downhill so it yeah. wasn't as steep right and there were 50 and 60 foot sets of doubles the whole way down this hill with his house oh my and he would tow uh you'd get towed back up on a quad and oh. i hadn't ridden for years and years oh, wow. and i show up and you know marty's like, come on, Chuck, grab a bike. I'm like, grab a bike my ass, dude. He's like, no, it's just like old times. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's Marty, not. no. Like, <laughs> I'm not jumping a 50-foot jump on a, on a full suspension uh, mountain bike after not riding for five years.
0: Heck no. Good choice. Real good choice. All right, let's see. Let's go with another terror question. Do you think the mid-school era of 90 to 99 was the golden age?
1: So I think it's the golden age. <laughs> for me, yeah. yeah tell right. the Hallahan boys that. <laughs> right. Tell, exactly. tell Cody Diggs that. Right. You know, tell Corey Walsh that that those are the golden days of, of riding. Tell yes. any of those guys that are riding now that that's the golden days, and they they should probably punch you in the face. <laughs> you know. So like, the, the people that look back and say like, oh, that mid school era was the best. It was the best for them. Right. You know, like that era, and from. 95 to 2000. That was the golden era for me. Right. Riding bikes. Right. Sure. You know, but I mean, that's that's all in 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 your age, where you were, yeah, yeah. skill wise, what you yeah. were doing there. So when you hear people say that, right, that's usually someone that's you know relatively close to my age, right. You know, wishing they could do that. Do I wish I could still right. ride that way? Hell right. yeah, I do. Yeah. But if but if you're gonna go and say that that's that's the the golden age. You know, yeah. like you're offending the, those other people, which I have never cared of offending any right. anybody. You know, I'm actually pretty good at it. But <laughs> if you're, you can't tell those kids. today, what are you going to tell the kids today? They're like, hey, buddy, listen. I know that that you think this is fun. Right. It sucks compared to the way it was. No, right. you know, the golden age. If they want to say that, or you know, the best era for those people are right now, right is today. Right is tomorrow. Right. You know, so no, I don't. For, for me, yeah. sure, golden age, yeah, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. but, uh, to each his own on that one. Yeah, way. to each his own. All right, how about, this is from 495 Trail Crew, how do the people of today's trail scene compare it to the 90s? So we're kind of in the same type of um, Yeah,
1: same type of question. question. So, I mean, it's really... They're 20 years older. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. That's the trail. See, those guys are all 20 years older. Yeah, exactly. Um, they are. Di- I'll tell you one way that they are different. Yeah. They're all trail snobs. Yeah. You know, like, I, I've been to a couple sets of trails where midway through a great session, you know, somebody has a little hissy fit about the landing being a little bit messed up. Right. You know, and I'm like, well, just drop three pounds of air pressure in your tires and keep riding the fucking right. thing. But no, they shut down the section. There's cones out. Yeah. We got cones. We got shovels set up like crosses across the takeoff and they're yelling nobody jumped this section we we have a small pothole like (laughs) us give me a break you know like why why does it have to be like that so they're all they're all like real snobby about it and i know they take pride in what they've built right and it takes so much to maintain them you know and to tarp them up every night never had a tarp right where 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 we rode i don't know tarps I don't right. you know, there were no tarps, there's barely anything to water it with. Right. And the lips would fall apart, you'd smack them back together. Right. And, and ride them. But we wouldn't shut down like a great session. Right. You know, just because one landing, like somebody chunks the side of a landing. Right. And are like, hold up, repair job, taking place. I'm like, <laughs> you're not a fucking road crew, you're just a dirty fucking BMX rider. Oh, you know? Man. Just hit the goddamn jump, all right? Don't fuck the whole session up. Right. Because you have to have something look absolutely perfect you know what looks perfect when there's 12 guys going one after another on it right not when you put a cone on top of it and stop everybody from riding Right. you know like is it really going to make that much difference if there's a a little chunk in the the landing right you know if you can't ride it with that little chunk in the landing right take your ass back to the skate park right then and ride the wooden jumps (laughs) you know that's not that's not bicycle motocross that is right that is dirt skate park right and and there's a difference me fucking run it right you know right. there's oh the landing's falling apart well right. you're well guess what you thought you were a badass jumping it before jump yeah. the mother effort right now right and now show me what kind of badass you are right. you know when you have a six inch rut going up the front of the takeoff you know oh. now jump it and that's what we used to do like sometimes it pushes You'd ride a jump, and, and you would get a rut. And I remember we left the rut in the jump. It was about four inches wide and six inches deep. And that was it. That was like your motocross jump. Like, wow. Hit the rut.
0: You yeah. know, that's it.
1: You don't hit the rut? Hey, man, I don't know what to tell you. Going sideways. Yeah, you should have hit the rut. Right. <laughs> you know? I'm going to
0: continue this question just a little bit more because this is, this, is this is all kind of sort of combined. This is Ari Sonnenberg, slower than your crew on Instagram. He's a great guy. Lives in, I believe, Belgium. Who uh, it? But he's from Long Island. Ari Sonnenberg. He's, okay. He's from Long Island. He, he knows you. Um, Push was one of the most influential trail spots. Do you see that influence present in BMX today? Kind of the same idea, but do you... S- Maybe do you see what you're talking about now present anywhere at any trails you go to where people I think are kind of natural?
1: That's just a natural progression, you know. Of um, I think like push at the time being influential was um, just you know more jumps, yeah. you know, rhythm sections. Before right. you would go to jumps, and push wasn't the only one, right? You know, the ravine, posh, yeah. Long Island, Sheep Hills, they right. all started building rhythm sections. Yeah, but instead of just like Pedaling and hitting one jump. Yeah,
0: Drexel. So, it was all. all yeah. Of them. yeah, so
1: all those places sort of came, you know, came to around the same time. Right. So their right. influences, um, I see it in some of the some of the some of the riders, you yeah. know, that say like, oh, I like that. So I, you know, we built these trails and built those trails and this right. and that. So, as far as being influential, yeah, I mean, I, I think guys came to our trails and rode and said, we want to build some stuff like this at our house you know at our place at our trails we're going to think do it's this. more
0: regional? You think there's an influence regionally because of push?
1: I think Pennsylvania is the center of the trail universe. Right. That I think I think that is. But I don't know right. if regional regional I don't know. There's good trails every, every Yeah. There's good trails yeah. everywhere. Right. But they've certainly progressed bigger, yeah. better. Everything's a step up because we have figured out that if you have a bigger landing you know, we're gonna generate more speed for the for the next jump. Right. Um, right. Which is what Mark Patozny put it with Death Valley. He sort of said about Hazelwood. Um, we took your jumps at Death Valley and looked at them and thought, hey, you know, we just we figured out if we just have a bigger landing, right. You're not worried about overshooting it as much. Yeah. So, I think it was just part of the natural progression of the, of the of the sport.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see let's go to let's go to a, a couple of hellahan questions a couple more. we did the Nathan question here's one from lucas is is uh, rock throwing in the woods a sport or a counterculture
1: <laughs> It's a sport because you could challenge anybody at any at any trails anywhere to a good rock throwing contest <coughs> you, that, that comes about from digging in the in the woods you know you've got yeah. six guys two four whatever ten guys digging in the woods you can only dig so much right before you're bored and and right. you know you're picking rocks out of the landing and right. take off and then you start throw you start throwing them You say hey, I can I can I bet you I can hit that tree over there right well next thing you know two hours go by right and you've thrown you've done nothing but throw rocks
0: <coughs> for uh-huh. two
1: hours Oh, that's boring. so and no matter what anybody from Pittsburgh ever says I am the rock throwing champ of the bird. All right, got it. So definitely a
0: sport. T- title claimed. Yes. Until an interview with anyone else from here that wants to contend it. Right.
1: I, I will. I will take it to the woods. <laughs> I will take that to the woods. I can't ride as good, but I can throw. I, I can still throw a rock. That's where it should be settled. Yeah.
0: So uh, here's one from Shane, the youngest. Was he eight or nine now? Somewhere like that.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if he still ate or if he had a birthday. And turned 9. I think he might yeah. have turned nine.
0: Oh, okay. Did you ever break your brake lever?
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember getting a new brake lever and just over tightening it one time. Uh huh. Snapping it like where it was hinged. Yeah. Um, we used to take our brake levers and bend them, you know, with a couple box end wrenches to get like like the perfect feel on your brake lever. Yeah. Out. Uh, broke a couple that way
0: uh-huh. and I know of oh,
1: I remember
0: doing that with wrenches yeah
1: broken a couple couple where your bike goes flailing down uh, down the hillside through the woods and you come back and your your uh-huh. brake levers cracked so yep I'm just glad that every that Shane has brakes yeah right gotta run brakes
0: yep. absolutely not that the kids use them much, but they definitely have them
1: no i, I and you know what I need like 16-inch Dol Brembo's to stop me you know like I'm too fat to to have regular brakes like I need like two pair of 990s you know <laughs> on the back I need double with, with discs yeah yeah I need I need something like um, I got I have got to stop
0: oh that's funny it's right. great all right this one's from Y2K, Y2K BMX which I think we know who this is but yeah uh, yeah um He wants to. He says, "Funny how short you were in the game, but your legacy is still heard today." Uh, How does it feel to be looked looked up to by your peers? Uh, It's kind of a combined question, but they they do belong together.
1: Yeah, I don't. um, Yeah, my career is definitely short, short lived by you know physical ability to.
0: But huge impact in the short. Yeah, I mean that comes from.
1: I, I would say, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, if you were to think about, there's, there's a couple uh, photos that are that are just really good pictures. The, iconic. Yeah, iconic the come pictures. to standard country um, ad. You know, I mean, you're not really going to find, it, I, maybe it sounds conceited to say that, but you're not going to find a better ad, a better picture in a magazine than. It was. I mean, that was like the first one. It, it, it was sort of like the first. Ad of that kind
0: mm-hmm.
1: back back then, yeah. And uh, the cover of Tread, you know, there were only like four issues, so yeah. You know, everyone sees that as like, oh man, that's uh, that's a right. great great picture, right? You know, and, and a couple of video parts that these you know guys that are a little bit younger grew up on. But I would say that maybe one of my biggest uh, regrets is that I never made a video part that I really liked. Yeah. You know, I just like rode around for the parts. Yeah, you know. But I had, like, a a big bag of tricks, a whole bunch of stuff that I could have done to make, you know, great video parts. Right. I just never really did because I never right. thought about it at the time as mattering. Right. You know, it didn't matter right. to me at the time. And uh, I remember having a conversation with somebody, and they were so amped up about making this video part. Yeah. You know, and I just didn't care about the video part back then. You know, and I... I remember they're filming for the Fox video and a guy, John Fox and Matt Story were out there filming and said to us, What do you want me to do? He said just ride through it like it's any any given day. Just ride your bike like you would. Like you want me to do anything in particular? No. Yeah. You know, but then looking back on it, you think like, Man, I should have done all these different things right. for these video parts. Right and it would have made them so much better. But I did it, you know, and that's, but the pictures and stuff, that's the difference with having the magazines. You have something that's there, you physically have it in your hand to Mm -hmm. look out at. It leaves a much bigger impression on people than going through a 20-second clip on Mm -hmm. Instagram. Because once they go through that 20-second clip on Instagram, they go to the next 20-second clip. And the next 20-second clip. Yeah. And and you're forgotten. Right. But when you have the you're on the cover of a magazine right. or you have an ad like that, yeah. That's that's it. It's it's there forever. Right. And then right. you get psychos that collect all that stuff and go crazy for it. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think maybe that and I think anybody of that uh, time frame leaves a little bit more of a uh, an imprint. Right, probably because it's there to go back to at any minute. Right, you know. Right. So
0: as opposed to a VCR tape that may uh, that may snap at any given moment.
1: Yeah, I got a wrote, went through a couple of VCR tapes. <laughs> right.
0: The last comment's kind of a, I'm, I'm sure a joke that you'll you'll get, but Y2KBMX says, why do you look like Jim Dugan?
1: <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Duggan. that's who he's talking about? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe it's the hair. Oh, okay. I think when I saw him, I was. I had a beard or something. Oh, okay. And he had me, uh, he had me yelling like axe Jim Duncan oh, God. all the time.
0: That's good stuff. All right, we're winding down. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, not bad. We're almost at a couple hours. I expected this completely with you because there's lots to talk about. So let's go with. I'm going to save that Mike Callahan question for the last because that's a really good one. Um, all right, I'll do a couple more questions from Garden Dirt Jumps of Chicago. How long did you not touch your bike post injury? Um, we kind of talked about that, but
1: yeah, I mean, I remember getting hurt. I got hurt, and you know, it's one of like I had a real bad taste in my mouth after getting hurt because you know a lot of guys were making a lot of money. Riding bikes, and I—I I wasn't, but it wasn't about that to me. You know, I wanted to ride, but I um—I didn't have health insurance right. at, at the time. You know, so Back I in waited. Yeah, whenever I, whenever I heard, I did I blew my knee out. I didn't yeah. even wreck. I just put my foot down and yeah. blew my knee out. Well, and, call it
0: stomping the fire out.
1: Yeah, I stomped it out all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right.
1: So it was um. But the reason why I was jumping or riding that day at Death Valley, yeah. because they were taking pictures and I wanted the photo contingency money. Oh, uh, okay. You know, like greed got the best of me for sure. You know, that's what I wanted. I wanted. And that hey, was that a Fox deal, or was that? No, I think I was button deck taking pictures just for um, for ride or something yeah. at, at, at the time. Yeah. And. Um,
0: but the contingency yeah. was through your sponsor. At the time. Yeah.
1: So like you know I don't. I don't know what, I can't even remember who it was, would have got paid yeah. a certain amount or if it was in my standard Short contract jump. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Definitely not slip Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I wanted it and the trails were slippery yeah. at the time. It had just rained yeah. and the takeoffs were pretty slick. Right. And the first jump, you carved up the lip. The second jump, I usually transferred to the right side because it was a bigger side. So you transferred from the left lip yeah. with a tree in the middle. You transferred uh, it in front of the tree Okay over and all i did was carve up that lip and my tire slid out yeah and stomped out the fire just got a little sketchy stomped out the fire and that was it but that's why i was doing it so i don't have health insurance i'm laying on the ground squirming like an idiot yeah you know i go home and i probably waited a month yeah before i went to the doctor Right. And said, I actually went home and got health insurance like the next day. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I took whatever money, got health insurance, waited, yeah. and then went to the doctor about a month later. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't say, you did this, that. The other said, oh, your ACL is fine. You're good. We'll start you through this process. Right. I said, Can I ride my bike? Right. Yeah. You know, and my knee felt pretty good. Yeah. Back, it didn't feel bad. But then every time I would ride... it it would it would pop out yeah yeah you know and uh it was just it's just unfortunate so i didn't wait long enough yeah and then finally i went and had surgery on it and you know i did everything they wanted to do for they said to do for rehab but my kneecap before the surgery um it was trying to heal itself so my kneecap grew to about twice the size of my other kneecap yeah so now the kneecap doesn't sit where in my leg properly. Right. It sort of just floats outside of it right. all the time, which causes issues. Right. And I don't know if you could go in there and grind it away or do whatever, but to me personally, I'm not trying to win the X Games. Yeah, I'm not right. going through a year of shit in my knee for right. to, to do anything like that. So yeah. um, I probably didn't wait long enough. Yeah. But when I went back to riding after all the physical therapy and the surgery, it just popped right out again. Oh my gosh. You know, wow. so at that point I couldn't ride the way I wanted to ride. And there's a difference to me between riding,
0: yeah.
1: you know, and like riding the way that you want to ride. Right. And for me not being able to ride the way that I wanted to ride, it just right. wasn't worth it. Right. So, I mean, I didn't do, I didn't watch, I didn't watch riding. Yeah. I didn't watch the X Games. I didn't right. watch the Dew Tour. I didn't right. do anything of the sort. I just moved on with my life, and maybe twice a year, I'd ride South Park BMX track, and, yeah. like, right before I died, I would quit riding South Park BMX track. Right. Like, yeah, I'd be riding, get a little sketchy, but yeah. I, wouldn't wa- I wouldn't watch BMX at all. Right. You know what I mean? And I'd probably, right. probably... Hmm, Eight nine years. Yeah. That, I mean, I didn't even watch anybody ride yeah. a bike. Yeah. To me, it was just pointless. If I can't do it, I don't want to watch it either.
0: I was kind of the you know? same way.
1: Okay. listen, Joe. Everybody yeah. likes to get laid. Yeah. But I don't want to sit around and watch and, and read dirty magazines all day long. You know, it's the same the same difference. You know, I I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch the guys ride bikes. I want to do it. If you can't do it, I mean, forget it so oh, man. that was a uh, that was a tough time because I was mad too yeah. like just in life in general because I couldn't do that right right. so I spent a lot of time drinking with high school friends right. Right. getting into fights right driving cars through fences I mean whatever <laughs> to take up the time
0: alright well let's go switch to this question then how often do you ride now and where in not not enough not just seasonally all, all year long
1: yeah. um last year i was able to ride at the wheel mill once a week or occasionally twice a week yeah this year i haven't been able to really get there at all but right um i started riding a little bit at a couple of the local trail spots um not enough yeah you know not nearly as much as i as i would want to right as i want to ride right um but just a couple of the local trail spots yeah here at the wheel mill is always a good place in the winter. Right. Um, but just not uh, not in the cards right now as far as time. Time is.
0: is. Well, that probably goes into the, to the uh, to the last question before we get to Mike Callahan's. Uh, what What is your passion now?
1: Um. You know. I still. I still love. I still love bikes. Um, but you know, like my obligation to my to my kids, who are are excellent ho- ice hockey players, you know, like that's what I spend most of my time doing. Because unlike unlike bike riding, you can't do it by yourself. Right. You know, you're 13 years old. You can't just grab your your goalie equipment and walk over to the hockey rink. Right. You know, the, where my son plays is 31 miles from my house. Wow. So you know that's. That's making sure that. Um,
0: no throwing trophies in the woods on that return trip.
1: No, no, but that's uh, that's how I spend the you know the bulk of my time. I don't know if I would say passionate about. I guess I'm passionate about that. Making sure that um, that my kids are afforded um, the things that I did not have right. growing up, but still having an appreciation. Um, for what it takes to get those things, Right. nothing being handed to them. Right. So you know, someone will say, "Oh, your legacy and BMX." I'm like, "Yeah, legacy this, your B- BMX." Right. You know, like I think ultimately, like uh, as you get older, like that's more what I'm concerned with is how my kids sure. are, are brought up, and not um, unfortunately, they they completely hate riding bikes. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, right. I mean, wow. I can't. I can't get them to do that for anything. I'm, but uh, I'm
0: in the same boat. But I, I was thinking that's where you'd head with that answer. And, and to be honest with you, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's what most of us, that's what most of our passions are right now. And that's why we took some time off and focused on that. And So that's a good thing. But I am gonna expose you for one other passion that you're not, you may not have brought up, but I think you've got a passion for giving. You're an extremely generous guy. I mean, we've talked about this before but I think you've got a deep passion for uh, answering to the cause if there's a if there's an issue out there you jump on it uh, you've shown it so many times it's uh, it's it made me respect you even more than I did you know I, I think that's a passion yours that you may not want to to highlight but it's out there and and i think it's i think it's huge
1: well you know i mean certainly there's uh there's a lot of people out there that could need need help for for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um whether it be it of their own uh their own doing or, or just something unfortunate happening to them right but I wasn't always that way either, you know. Like Stu Johnson said to me one day, he said, "I just think you're trying to get your karma level out of the black," you know, because <laughs> right. I certainly, I've certainly done plenty of things in my day that are the exact opposite yeah, yeah. of um, of that. Yeah. But, um, you know, growing up, we we were dirt poor, right? You know, and like my parents were divorced, and I remember both of them going to the to the food bank to get to get food. Okay? And they didn't use this, like, they didn't use that system, you know, like welfare and, and stuff like that to, they didn't abuse it. You know? And you see that, like, sometimes people just need a little bit to help them get back on, on their feet. Right. You know? And that's the way that my parents y- used it to a, to right. a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But you see people that are in an unfortunate situation, you know, in like... It's only human to want to help them a, a, a little bit, right. you know, it, in, in some way. And, I mean, certainly, you know, there's, there's different things. I mean, you wreck on a bike and you don't have health insurance, you know, and, and now all of a sudden you got to pay your medical bills. Well, if I had health insurance, you know, I'd, I'd probably still be riding. Right. You know, like, that's the way I, I look at it. Yeah, you know, right. like, I wouldn't be standing Next to the Butcher Jump at Posh. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I've been making Clint Reynolds my bitch over the Butcher Jump. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, well. look, at, look at the people that have been hurt, to, and they don't have health insurance. Right. You right. know, BMX are not really, bike riders aren't really forward-thinking guys. And, and like, they're not worried about that. But right. when it happens, you know, I mean, these guys are doing what they love. Yeah. You know? But it's also what I love. And I right. wish I could still be doing it. So if you know something happens to to them, right? You know, and, and you can do your part for to help them raise money for it or whatever it takes. Right. You, you just try to. I think that's human nature. Right. But right. it's also uh, as my not wife not
0: everyone's, but I'm 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 glad. You know, you feel that way. I appreciate it. it. That's my, for sure. My uh, my
1: wife pointed out to me that I'm much more giving. And of of like of my time, my energy, and just in general, to the guys that I know for riding bikes, or to anything related to riding bikes, that I am to anything else. Right. You know, and, and you know, she told that to me, and I I thought about it for a couple minutes, and I thought, yeah, right. I mean, that's you are right. That's a bond, you know, that is never broken. Like you're in that group of guys. That that's that's what you do. That's what runs through your blood. Right. All the time, you right. know. So to help them, sure. But yeah. when I see, you know, you see other people after I, I hate to say it, but I'm not always that way. Sure. With other people, but right. You know, as far as guys that getting hurt or coming up with, you end up getting cancer, or right. you're you're a kid that has cancer, right. or something. Right. It's only human nature, I think, to do your best to to try to help a, l- a little bit right.
0: so yeah i love it and i appreciate you being a partner in it with me with a few things we've done so i mean, I, I feel the same way it's it's I, I have the opportunity to give back my life's pretty stable so you know it, and it is in my blood so why not you know it'd be a shame not to not to give if you have that ability to give for one but you also have that passion and that connection so that's yeah it's not always
1: it's 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 not not always any type of monetary contribution that you're making it make oh yeah you know your your time you know whether or not someone just wants to say something to you in particular Mm -hmm. you know that's fine you know just i mean every little little bit if you can do something to help lift somebody's spirits that's not in a good place right you know you should probably do it I mean, that being said, you know, I'll be, on the t- I'll be up there at the, uh, on the deck, and I'll be MFing and making the people on the deck feel like dog shit half the time. But then you get a question like that, and I say something like, yeah, well, you try to lift their spirits. That's different. Yeah. That's totally different. Yeah, you sprocket case, and we're not <laughs> lifting your spirits. We're going to drive you into the dirt, you know?
0: Oh, man. All right, let's finish it with the Mike Callahan question. All right, the boys really look up to you. And that's no understatement. That they really looked up to you. And this will be uh, Lucas, Nathan, Shane, LNS, as you told me a long time ago, and I never forgot. You'll never forget yeah, yeah. if you think LNS. And and of course Casey, um, tell the story about the Colin Winkleman valve cap on Lucas's front wheel. Let's
1: uh, close Colin, it out on that. Colin Winkleman I mean, everybody. Uh, you know, every, everybody knows who the guy was. One of. Right. One of the best bike riders, you know, that I had ever ridden around. And he could he could do just about anything, you know. And at one point we're, we were at a, a contest. Um, somewhere in Ohio, Mike McHugh brings a pit bike. And it brings a little 16-inch bike um, with, uh, I, think it was, I think it was green with, like, black bags and a pair of slam bars on it and you know everyone's riding the thing around and you know it was it was funny back then but with colin and i were riding it and and jumping it over the uh over like the the jumping contest jump you know wow um, so we're taking turns doing that and having fun with it you know we looked down on this bike that mike McHugh, who was you know worked at a bike shop and the bike was dialed you know so we looked down and we see these valve, these valve stem caps on there.
0: Right. And
1: Colin says, I'm taking these. Uh-huh. I said, oh, give me one of them. I'll take one of them. Yeah. So the two of us each take a valve uh, cap off of, off of this bike and put yeah. it on our bikes. Right. And I don't know whatever happened to Colin's. You know, originally, right. like, Colin had them both. And I said, give me one of those. So he, right. he gives me one. He said, all right, Chuck, you got one? I got one. Yeah. Here we go. Well, I kept that, that on my bike. Until I gave it to him. So I kept it on my bike for 25 years. And I didn't ride bikes often enough that you'd ride it twice and not have to put air in the tires. Right. So every time I would go to my bike, put air in the tires, I would take that valve stem cap off. Right. And I'd think of Colin Winkleman. Right. You know, so I'd take it off, think of him, put it back on. You know, you're sitting there at, the, at, at a, some jumps or trails of riding. And you're sitting on your crossbar with your arms crossed and your handlebars and you look down and there's that valve stem cap. Yeah. But I was so worried about losing it for oh. so long. It was such a stress. It, it sounds that stupid. But I always like made sure that I had it. Yeah. You know, Colin was a great, great person. And uh, knowing that like I can't lose this. You know, this was the thing with Colin Winkleman's cap. Right. You know, so Right. What ends up happening is I I wasn't riding for a while. I gave my bicycle to my cousin who was riding. Uh-huh. And he rode it for a year or two and then stuck it in his garage yeah. and he gave it back to me a couple of years ago exactly yeah. the way I gave it to him. With the valve stem cap on it and everything. I think there were different pedals on the bike. Yeah. But he I mean, he gave it back to me exactly how I gave it to him. Yeah. And so I took the valve stem cap off. I was so, like, relieved that I had it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I got this back, and this was something that I always uh, keep. Meant,
0: meant more than almost the whole bike.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. I kept the valve stem cap, and I got rid of the bike. Right. I gave it. To, I traded it for a uh, <laughs> my complete STA for uh, a Matt Cordova seat. Yeah. And uh, two tires. Oh man. You know so. Oh, wow uh it didn't mean anything to me but the guy wanted it sort right. Of. so right what ends up happening is i take it off and then i'm you know i'm starting to ride a little bit more but every time i'm putting air in the tires and i'm thinking about it i set the valve stem cap down somewhere you know as i'm putting air in, i'm thinking oh shit i can't lose this cap right so you know i see um i see the boys riding the the one day and i thought like you know what I can't bear the weight of this cap any longer, right. you know. So like, right. I just figured I'll take it off and give yeah. it to him, Right. you know, and say, "Hey, this was Colin Winkelman's." If you think about it, like I've had it on my bike for 25 years, yeah, and the same valve cap, right? You know, so right. go ahead and take it. So he, you know, he may think it was like a, maybe a nice gesture, but it's like right. it was almost like a curse, right? You <laughs> know, it was like the ring from the Lord of the Rings. Like oh, it was, it was too much curse? pressure. Yeah, I had to let I'm, it go. I'm going to look for it today.
0: Like, yeah, it's hopefully it's be, still on there. And, and on now
1: there. that he has it, uh-huh. I, I don't care what I don't care what right. what happens right. to it. I mean, if he were to lose it, that's and he knows the story fun. behind
0: it. He knows who Colin Winkelman is. And yeah,
1: I think after that they went home and looked up a couple, yeah. a couple things. Yeah, and um, on Colin, and he was yeah. the phenomenal. Phenomenal bike rider, right? And could out eat just about anybody too. <laughs> Side note: he could out eat right, right. anybody. So,
0: oh man, that's great.
1: Yeah, and that was that was it. So that sort of passed that that on.
0: Yeah. yeah, perfect. Any last things you want to say before
1: we wrap it up? Nah, that's it. I pretty much say everything I have to say every uh, yeah. every opportunity I get. So yeah, you know.
0: I enjoyed it. I think this is great. It was it was even more than I expected, so I thought it was sure. great.
1: Yeah, had fun. Yeah,
0: I yeah, appreciate it. No, absolutely. Thank you so much, Isaac. Yeah. And thank you for all your help and everything you've done with me and more coming this year. So be prepared. End of sure. July.
1: Sure, I'll be working the uh, I'll be working the phones. Oh yeah. You know,
0: absolutely. So absolutely. Be, uh,
1: good. I'm looking looking forward to it. Yep. And that's yep. one of the uh, that's one of the things. Those uh, events, the fundraisers that helped pull me back into yeah. uh, the sport. You know, seeing that and thinking like, oh, man, I, could, I, I would like to go there and see all of these people right. that I know are going to be in, in that, yeah. that area. And yeah. uh, w- one last thing I, I, I will say, like everyone says, well, what, you know, I, I'd show up and ride and say, well, what made you start riding again? And this is a true story. Yeah. I, I wasn't riding. Right. And I've been friends with Chris Hallman for a long time, Yeah, you know, and I I couldn't get a hold of him. Right. So I was asking somebody here or there, hey, you know, you know Chris Hallman's number. And I called Stu Johnson and he said, ah, no, he goes, I think he has an Instagram account. Yeah. So go on Instagram sometimes, so he'll be on there. Right. So that was how I got an Instagram account I didn't get it to put anything on or post anything or look at anything I had it for the sole purpose of trying to get in touch with Chris Holm oh my gosh so as I got on and logged on and tried to find him I started watching um, a couple Chase Hawk clips yeah and like I was watching Chase ride and I was like thinking to myself man like riding looks fun you know for a long time it wasn't fun right you know and I, I watched Chase Hawk yeah. Riding this bike and thought, man, fuck! I missed riding my bike. Right. You know, and then it. Right. That's what pulled me uh, back into it, and then seeing a couple of the, um, how much fun everybody had at the John Lee Jam. Yeah. And thinking like, yeah. oh, those are my, these are the guys that that uh, yeah. that I'm friends with that I would love to see again. Yeah. So that was a big um, a big played a big role in me right. uh, getting back on my bike as limited. as as it's been but at least um you know i'm having fun yeah, yeah
0: absolutely it's a reunion so, of sorts every year it's it's awesome yeah it's turned it's into and this will be the fourth year fourth year in a row and it's just been
1: it's phenomenal been to see it's, the, it's been the a long blessing. island guys it's yeah it's the long island guys yeah. we're all we all that was like their young racer crew right and you want to talk about some shit talking get the 15 and 16x group together from like Long Island and Pittsburgh and like to some them. Florida guys and you I mean that was that was it so much shit talking going on oh yeah so I mean I saw those guys and uh you know like I said all with the John Lee jam I thought yeah. I would love to go back and see those guys yeah yeah so thank you as much as uh
0: hey no problem no it problem was great excellent thank you Isaac yep, Joe. appreciate it sure if I'm allowed to call you, Isaac
1: yeah. I don't most know how be- that
0: plays out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll quiz Doyle on that one after. What should we call Isaac? All right. Thanks, buddy.
1: Yes, no sweat.